When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. What's good, Internet? It's Tuesday, May 25th, and you're listening to Waypoint Radio, episode 399. Nailed it. I made made sure the episode number was right. Didn't check the date. I was like, it is no longer May 17th, and it is not Friday. Uh, I am your host, Rob Zachney. I am joined by our producer, Ricardo Contreras. Yo. Patrick Klepek. Oh, we're here. Let's we're, let's go. <laughs> and Gita Jackson. Yeah, what up? I watched Venom yesterday. That's all I can think about. Head empty, great, full great movie. of Venom. <laughs> movie, love so that good. Movie. The sequence <laughs> in the restaurant where he's in the water. It's such a bad movie, but it's rare to see uh, uh, like such camp at yes. such scale. It made um, you so excited to see the symbiotes interact with each other and I find in most superhero movies by the time it's two CGI blobs fighting, yes. I don't care anymore. But I just wanted to see Riot <laughs> and Venom just shout incoherent shit at each other. When, the scene where he's talking to Eddie Brock and Tom Hardy's been playing the whole movie as a comedy up until this point. Mm-hmm. So it's like, it's perfect. Like the tone finally like reaches the place where I want it to. Uh, where Venom is saying to Eddie Brock, uh, and he's like, uh, Riot, he has got shit you have never seen. I was just, like, dying. God, well, and the so- revelation, he's like, actually, I'm kind of a loser. Yes, I love it! And it turns out that Venom is the Eddie Brock of the yes, fucking symbiotes. Yes, yes! It also is, like, a, a movie that is about all of the kinds of personal personality problems that lead you to become a journalist. Just like, well, I didn't think you, about that movie from that lens, and now, like, <laughs> now it's just a bummer. Oh, no, it's great because he he manages to overcome the personal deficiencies that make him <laughs> force him to insist that he's right to the detriment of all his personal relationships. So, I'm not like I'm not imagining it right. Like to do the voice of Venom, Tom Hardy had to have just mainlined every single Keith David destroying scenery. Uh, like scene in history because like mm-hmm. the first time I heard it I was like this is either Keith David or this is somebody doing a really good uh, like all the way to 10 Keith David impression yeah I mean Tom Hardy the thing about Tom Hardy is he's got his background in theater he's like a like a professionally trained like Shakespearean actor he's in He's incredible. If you've seen him in some of his earlier indie stuff, you can tell he's like a once in a generation talent. And the only things he wants to do are be really horny and make funny voices. <laughs> once, you, once you've got, you know, $15 million in the bank, yeah. it's time to say, I, yeah. I don't need I don't need to prove anything to anyone. Anymore. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Speak of the devil. It's so it's so weird because like it's like, that movie uh, like. You know, Sam Raimi famously hate doesn't like Venom as yeah. a character, and yet yeah. Sam Raimi's 
uh, talents for turning camp into like classing up camp. Like yep. high class camp, yep. which is like my fate, which like really is. I mean, Spider Man Two is the best example of it, but like that's just like Sam Raimi to a yep. T is yep. is like yeah. shooting camp really, really well. Take it very seriously. So like looking at like Venom, which is like a bad movie but good because Tom Hardy is just yeah. like putting his all into it. Yeah. But like imagining like what if you had someone with the talents of a Sam Raimi yep. that yep. Was like bringing that to the movie? Would've... So much fun. It, I mean, I think that apparently Hardy co-wrote the second movie. So I'm anticipating. Huh. Now Andy Serkis is directing it. And Andy Serkis. I don't know. I don't know. Sure. Why not? I mean, it means that the CGI stuff is going to look really, really good, right? Because also Tom Hardy, as long, well with his, like, his facial expressions and the vocal choices he does are all very considered. But the work he does with his body, it's like he's, he was doing a movie where that was essentially three stooges, except two of the stooges are one person. And he's like <laughs> perfect at it. Yeah, <laughs> you know, he's very it's, good. It's very good. I can't wait for Venom 2. Uh, there's so much Venom fanfic. And it's all, everyone who writes Venom fanfic is braver than the troops. Braver than the fucking US <laughs> Marines. <laughs> it's really the good. Venom 2 trailer uh, boy, I can't figure that movie out because, like, the first half of the trailer, it's like, remember how much you loved the odd couple comedy of this? And I was like, I do love that. And I'm like, it's hitting all those notes. And then it's like, but also, do you ever wonder what Silence of the Lambs would be like if Clarice was Venom? <laughs> and I'm like, okay, that part I hadn't wondered. And it's like, you're gonna like find I've out. I've been on like, Tumblr a lot, but I haven't seen that pitch before on, a, on, on one of my Venom fan okay. accounts. Okay, let me let me just read you an excerpt from a Venom fanfic I was reading this morning that I posted right. to Twitter.com. Hang on, there we go. <clears throat> Eddie sighs, straightening the tie and glaring at the Onyx symbiote currently peeking out from under his collar. I still can't believe you're making me do this, Eddie grumbles. Eddie, don't be like this. Every lady deserves to be wined and dined. I put up with you in your one-night stands all the time. It's the least you can do. Venom chides, popping a button off the vest to get back at his host. Uh, and then, with a couple of paragraphs down, the uh, the main character, which is the reader of the fic, this is uh, one of those fics, uh, asks how Venom is doing, and he says, Oh, I've been fine. Very, very horny, but yes, fine. I've been looking forward to this for weeks. How about you? This is what the people want. Yep. This is like literally, I feel like Tom Hardy just read the fanfic and was like, okay, a lot of these girls went through a serial killer phase. <laughs> like, that's the movie. I don't, I don't think. Who among gonna, us? I, I, unfortunately, the subtitle of the next one is Let There Be Carnage, Not Let the Venoms Kiss. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Say that wouldn't be Carnage. I was going to say, if you, yeah. give, if, you give, if you give people enough CGI, they can splice together there. Oh. Absolutely. Um, they're absolutely. fan cams of, of, of Carnage. <laughs> I need, please, please send to me your Venom fan cams. Thank you. Video games. So, yeah, let's, uh, okay. Giving the people what they want. Uh, let's talk about, Gita, you mentioned that you want to talk a little more Final Fantasy fourteen, mm -hmm. And this somehow relates to The Sims. Okay, so I'm going to drop a trailer for you. I meant to do it before the thing, but I needed to go get a breakfast sandwich. But to start off, uh, what what's really gotten me into Final Fantasy fourteen? I like the combat. I really like the story. I like everything about it. I like that I get to hang out with friends. I've been playing with Joni um, from Jezebel recently. But recently, The Sims uh, they 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 dropped the uh, trailer for the upcoming game pack, which is Dream Home Decorator. And as I was watching this trailer, all I could think was, I would really love to play a video game where I got to redecorate houses, huh? 
wouldn't that be so much fun? And then I remembered that Final Fantasy XIV allows you to not only make clothing, but make furniture. <laughs> so now it's like I read about this game taking over people's lives. And I read about it just like destroy like really like there being so many things to do that you are like you're you're paralyzed by choice. But when I realized that like people were not kidding when they said, well, if you're going to get into crafting anything, you should do all of the crafting classes. And I just started doing that over the weekend, just, you know, not even really thinking about it. I was like, well, why don't I just open up the Weaver class? Because I like I'm, I was a carpenter and I like making furniture. But what if I made some clothes, too? And then I realized if I open up the Weaver class, I can craft things that I need to use in the carpentry class for that class. And then I bet I was like, you know, I bet if I uh, get all the other crafting classes, then I will also be able to just synergize everything and not spend any money at all. <laughs> it's the exact same spreadsheet bullshit that itches my brain in games like like Dwarf Fortress and stuff. It's like the same exact thing because you just start thinking in recipes, you know, where you're just like, well, in order to craft this, I need to craft this and I need to craft this. And I need to craft this. So let's just go back to the origin point of crafting. And I've already leveled up another crafting class to the level I'm at right now, which is like 35. So here I am. What are you making? I'm making clothes. I'm making clothes that characters can wear. I can dye the clothes. I can customize the clothes. I can wear the clothes. And I'm also making like weaponry also, but you can make because I'm a carpenter. I'm making bows. My main class is a bard. And I was like, well, why not be a carpenter? Because I could use the stuff that I use in the carpenter, you know. But it just like it leads like everything so... like the the you can see the like recipes that they've made they are all feed into each other so exactly that there's no way you can do this like in an efficiently and cost effective way if you're not just doing all the classes and it's like well okay well i've got another couple of days until i get <laughs> access to the the dream home decorator pack for the sims so i might as well just offload this like hyper fixation i have on decorating houses and aesthetic choices into this other game that really is letting me dig into it so basically be you're becoming a rare vendor npc yeah in final fantasy yeah you know and it's super fucking fun it is fun you spend a lot of time just like learning a recipe you can learn a recipe one time and then you can quick craft it it's called quick synthesis but it's your crafting um and so i yesterday i was just spent a lot of time just being like okay well there's demand on the marketplace for this thing and i could put it on sale for this amount of money which would be cost effective so why don't i make 20 of this thread that i need because i'll need some anyway and then i'll craft 10 of those into undyed cloth and then I'll use that cloth and the other resources I have to make five or so of this item that I can sell. And yeah, like this, uh, the economics of this is like actually very fun because it's other people who are buying it, like real people. You're not just setting things on, putting things on the market for some uh, an, uh, an algorithm to decide whether or not to buy it for you. But uh, the thing that it is missing is this thing that is coming from the Sims, which is like, I don't know if you watched the trailer, but there's a point in the trailer where they show you like it's modeled after the HGTV style of game. Right? I, just, I just want to point out that you, you you send us a trailer and the first thing I see is uh, T for teens, crude humor, sexual themes and violence. And I'm like, and I look at the title of it, Dream Home Decorator. I'm like, what <laughs> I haven't clicked play, but I'm I'm intrigued to see 
the no, violence. I think generally just The Sims is is tea for tea because The Sims woohoo, which everyone knows is sex, mm-hmm. and also they die and people like to kill them. I think they right. they wouldn't they wouldn't be tea for tea for violence if people didn't kill them on purpose. <laughs> You right, know? it's like it's yeah, it's not something they built into the. I mean, they did build into the game, but yeah. it's like the result of p- players have made this game T for T. You did this, like exactly. Like EA, EA throws up their hand. It's like, look, okay. we were going for you know Evra, and then all of a sudden you needed to electrocute everybody yep. in the pool. So yep. sorry, T for T. It's all because you wanted a Murphy bed that kills people. If it was just a regular Murphy bed, we would have been fine. <laughs> Um, but yeah, like it not only do you like remake people's rooms according to <laughs> specific parameters, you also have a moment apparently that they they keep talking about where you do the re- big reveal, like from all of those house flipper shows that I used to that's watch. Actually like, kinda, that's kind of cool. Right? <laughs> like the thing I don't get in Final Fantasy 14 is seeing someone be so happy with the thing I made. And that's what I really want to see. <laughs> Yeah, you need like a reaction. Like when someone purchases it, you, they yeah. need their webcam needs to serendipitously flip on. Yeah, and it's like Ooh. When you bought this really nice yellow dyed, yeah, elven sweater or whatever yeah. you're making out there. Yeah. like you need. A, I need a reaction. I need you. I need you to send me a heartfelt note, like I'm your Etsy seller or something. <laughs> that would. You know what? What like what if they offer some sort of thing? Was like, hey. Five percent discount, but you have to send like, yeah. a personalized. I guess that would yes. be like a new uh, vector a, for abuse. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah. Like Just it's one like, of those things that you, you can't fuck you, do. Fuck you, fuck you. <laughs> because the world is terrible, but would be yeah. beautiful if Wouldn't you if you so could. Nice. It absolutely would be the nicest thing. If I could just get compliments all day from strangers. <laughs> That's why I write about all right, shit well, online. Now I understand. Now <laughs> yeah, there I understand we go. It. It's another one of the personality problems that'll lead you to become a journalist. <laughs> Gosh. Eddie, I forget. Yeah, Eddie Brock's a respected journalist, right? He's like He's basically Jake Hanrahan. Well, that's okay. also like in yeah. the comics, like he, he, like that's how like him and Peter Parker interact, right? Yeah, like yeah. He's a at, he's at, a, at a writer for the Daily Globe or the Globe, yeah, yeah. Um, in the third movie, he's who is that actor? Topher Grace. Topher what Grace. a weird, <laughs> what a weird choice for Eddie Brock. Well, I feel like Sam. Well, he, you know, Venom was famously forced into the film yeah. by studio notes, and so. At, at a certain level, I think Sam Raimi was just like, you know what, we'll fuck you. Like, <laughs> yeah. Do whatever I want. And I, watching people slowly try to reclaim that film, like, I don't have strong thoughts on, like, whether yeah. we need to, like, now argue that Spider-Man 3 is a good movie. But I've seen people <laughs> now attempting to do that to that film. And I, I don't I don't know how to feel about it because I haven't I haven't revisited that one in, in yeah. ages. It's all I remember is the scene with James Franco eating the pie where he just says. Yeah, the pie, the dance. I mean, like, it's. In some ways, it's uh, like Spider-Man 3 is Sam Raimi going, you know what? I was classing up the camp before. No, not anymore. <laughs> now it's just, now we're just camp. Like, Evil Dead we're 2 gonna- all the way. That's what we're doing yeah. now. I got the money. <laughs> like, I got that bag. You can't <laughs> stop me. <laughs> so if we're talking just giving in, letting it go, um, Patrick, can you, oh, you can't, are you holding off on Biomutant? Yeah, because I played an hour and then chose to tell myself that I respect my time. I uh, respect uh, the, the time that I'm investing into. Biomet is a game that I, I feel bad that I like really violently disliked it uh, to the point that I was just like, I don't even want to put in three to four hours to have more coherent thoughts about it. Austin mm-hmm. Walker played more than that. I think he played I love five the clarification. Austin Walker <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, it's like we're proc genning Patrick's dialogue for this podcast. He, he, 
he he walked right into Bio Mutant and, and I walked out. I did the Simpsons gif and he just he just kept going. Um, but yeah, it, people have been looking forward to that game because it is made by a small team. I think like twenty something folks. They are biting off a lot of making a big. Uh, uh, I don't know, like open world, like it's not like there's no systemic stuff, but like a big map, like this big space where uh, you get to explore um, a very, it feels like a game that was, if you told me like this studio found like a design document from like uh, GameCube era rare, like when they were making Dinosaur Planet slash uh, Star Fox Adventures and they did, like Biomutant was like one of, or what was it, Jeff Force Gemini was like another one they made for Lightning 64. Like it feels like in that vein, like someone picking up that mantle and then doing something uh, more massive in scope in, in 2021. I think it will find its defenders. I, I think it, it'll be the be people this game speaks to it's just it's not fun to control the combat is not good the uh the platforming is not good the uh character like i'll leave it to austin because this part specifically irritated him but like there's dialogue in the game but you don't like the the narrator summarizes it to you um as as opposed to it's a whole I'll let him <laughs> tee off on it because he has extremely strong thoughts on the storytelling in this game. But I can't wait uh, to listen yeah. to this podcast. I, I'll say <laughs> this is yeah. a great preview. I do. That is so disappointing. The thing about the dialogue, I think I've been thinking about this a lot recently because I've been writing fiction again just for funzos. I used to write a lot of fiction in high school. I went to like a dumb. It wasn't dumb. I went to like a kind of prestigious arts magnet school program in high school where I did creative writing and. Uh, I was really good at dialogue writing because I find it impossible not to eavesdrop on people all the time. So I would just verbatim write conversations I overheard. <laughs> <laughs> and it's always so, I feel like video games are a place where naturalistic dialogue always makes sense, you know? And because everyone's saying something totally nuts in a video game, you, anytime anyone says anything in a video game that feels like it's a person talking, I'm excited. <laughs> so like to say like, Oh, all the dialogue is just summed up by a narrator. This is the most depressing like approach to writing anything I can think of. Well, it'd be like so strange. Like you'll you'll approach someone and the character is going like you know, like the very the rare esque mm-hmm. sort of you know gibberish, uh, mm-hmm. and then uh, you know like the narrator is like. Well, he said it was very nice to talk to you. It's just, like it's like let the character fucking say that. God. Like, <laughs> Like it, it actually seems like it's, it's doing a lot of work to accomplish very little yeah. and like overly relying on a stylish stick, uh, sort of like tick that like sat, yes. pro- probably sounded would have been better deployed occasionally as opposed to for all of all of the, the dialogue. So, yeah, I thought you uh, said stylish stick, like stylistic shtick. It's sort of, sort of, <laughs> yeah, you know, stylish like, stick. That, I feel like we should bank that word. And, um, <laughs> uh, Coin a new word. Great. <laughs> I'm going to remember that for for the future. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So I would just temper your expectations. If I was looking forward to this game quite a bit, I have a lot of reverence for Rare uh, in in that era, and the, even a game that you know. And also, I like playing games that are, you know small teams shooting for the moon and you know trying to trying to do something that's a little outside of probably what they should have scoped for. Um, and I don't know, maybe it gets interesting as it, as it as it goes along in the story. Austin seemed to warn me off of that. Um, and Yikes. so I sort of just decided to uh, be patient and wait for, you know, the new Ratchet and Clank to kind of scratch uh, an itch, itch like that. But yeah, so I, I'll be curious to see if other people take to it. Um, people seem to be championing this game because they are desperate for new things to play. Like, you know, there's simultaneously a lot of games out. But depending on your personal taste, there, there might not be a lot that appeals to you, especially if you're looking for 
a reason for, you know, your PS5 or yeah. your Xbox to, to shine. Yeah. You know, if you don't, if you don't like roguelikes, then, you know, Returnal was just a big, you know, a swing and a miss for you. And even on, Bi- even on Biomutant, I, for some reason, like the PS5 version is not 4K, if that means a lot to you. There's like the Xbox. I don't know. There's some weirdness going on with that. So anyway, Biomutant, I didn't like it. Hopefully <laughs> you do when it makes you happy. But it's, it, yeah, I, I, I decided to. And also the scale of the map was such that I got an hour into the game, looked at it and went, Oh, that's 45 hours, oh, you know, like maybe not, but like it, it was like sometimes a map communicates its length to you mm-hmm. and uh, that one did. And for some people, I think they're going to have the opposite reaction. It's like, all right, 45 hours. Uh, that was that was not that yeah. was not me. So speaking of things that you can play on your PS5. Uh, but yeah, no, uh, before the segue I was going to make, it was like, yeah, you know, I've been noticing recently I'm not using my PS5 at all, really. And then when I am using it, I'm playing PS4 games on it. I like sure. that's, that's a, I mean, it's fine. It's like it works. It's a better machine than the two PS4s that are in my house. So I right. don't mind. Right. Um, if you would like to buy one of the two PS4s in my house, <laughs> please let me know. They're just taking up ah, space. So that's what this segue was about. Was setting up an yeah. eBay listing. For, yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> I'm about to start a depop with all of the clothes I don't need and two PS4s. Uh, yeah, but. <laughs> I did actually start playing Disco Elysium for like the bajillionth time because I got the um, I got a code. I wanted to play the complete the final cut edition with the fully voice edition. I, I was not. Yeah, I was. Uh, I don't. I wouldn't have waited. I'm glad mm-hmm. I played. Like I'd already waited too long to play that game in the first place. Yeah, but same. I did not realize the scope of the. I was like, oh, it's Game of the Year edition. Like, you know, it'd be like a documentary and like a whatever. It's like, no, like they fully voiced yeah. all the characters. They replaced voice so, acting in yeah. the game. They added like a bunch of new scenes. Yeah. Um, it's really incredible. Like, the game that came a full, like a, a huge overhaul just in terms of the writing. It felt like it, it got another writing pass. And then well, they, also- said, they said specifically they wanted to address the criticism that folks couldn't more closely align. I want to say, I'm, I want to hopefully I'm characterizing this right. Mm. That one of the criticisms of the game was like, oh, like you can't really align yourself really with a political ideology and sort of like mm-hmm. lean into it. Yeah. Um, and I can't get into the specifics of like what that critique was, but I, I do know that like one of the, the things they were trying to address in this was like, oh, like giving players a little more agency over elements of that. And I don't, I don't know how that plays into the game, especially when it can spiral in so many different yeah. directions. So I'm curious what, like, did you have like a, did you spec out a, a kind of playthrough you wanted this time or did you just kind of like, you know, well, make it up as you go because a bunch of stuff was more, I was looking for something to play with David and uh, David and I really do well with games where one person can do the controlling and the other one can kind of set backseat drive, you know? So sure. we've been doing Pokemon Snap this for a would while. Be a good, this would be yeah. a good one for that yeah. and also potentially deeply infuriating. Yes, yes. <laughs> like David, so we actually, this is actually really funny. Our first go around, we had to start the game over because I forgot to save. And our first go around, we got into one of those conversations that just leads to a uh, a non-standard game over because your character gets so depressed, they just quit being a cop on the spot. <laughs> And David was like, oh, I guess we shouldn't pick that character archetype again. I was like, no, honey, we just got unlucky. (laughs) Legend just happens sometimes. I'll save more often. So I had to replay the beginning and I was just like speed, like going through all the dialogue. Um, It's surprisingly easy to play with a controller. I wasn't expecting that. This game, because there's so much reading in it, I've always thought it's like perfect for a computer or like putting on your laptop or a Switch. But with the full voice acting, it's like literally perfect to play as like a book club game. I've heard this from like a bunch of other people. Um, We have friends that are in DSA and like 
uh, are really politically involved, but we've heard like a, from a bunch of people that they've been playing this game like with another person or as like chapters of a book club so that people play a little bit and then get back together and talk about it. And because you can just like listen and someone else can press all the buttons, like it's it's perfect and it's a perfect opportunity also to talk about the ideological things that they bring up in the dialogue. Very early on, you can get into the backstory of this world, Revishal, and the history of revolution and like ideological change that has sort of marked every single part of the murder mystery you're solving. You can come onto that very early. In fact, we we came up, you can do that, you can talk to the very first person you meet, and they will give you an entire historical background of the revolution and communism and everything that's happened to Revishal. And that person used to be voiced by Dasha from the, po- the uh, let's say, controversial podcast, Red Scare. She's no longer in the game. Uh, there's other some other voices I recognize that have been removed from the game. I just checked last night. Felix Biederman from Chapo is still in the game, but one of the characters he voices has been replaced by a different actor. Virgil, Was Texas. The, is the... Is yep. the is the 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 woman from Red Scare? Is she the the uh, the like the tenant that's living down the hallway? Yeah. Like okay, yeah. gotcha. Yeah, she the she was replaced with a much better voice actress. <laughs> 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 like, I will she say that seems, like they got some fine, money and cool now they could better. yeah they could pay some people that professionally voice act instead of sure. our podcasters. So yeah, um, Felix is still one of the characters he plays, but um, the, the other one has been replaced. Will Meneker is no longer in the game. Uh, Virgil Texas is no longer in the game and Matt Cushman is no longer in the game. So all those, if you're hoping to hear the celebrity voices of podcasters of podcasters from Chapo Trap House and Bad Faith, they are you know, only one of them so, is back in the game. What, what, you know? What's so I'm funny is, if, <laughs> oh is this a replacement about we need to tag in real voice actors for this? Or is this also the voice of the left might be better served by not having these recognizable podcast voices uh, in the game. I mean, part of me, big part of me thinks baseline, these guys are all really busy. They're really busy all of the time. Uh, Virgil has two podcasts, you know, and so does Felix. And Will has been really digging into like the politically organized, politically organizing. And he's the most involved with Chapo, I think, on the episode by episode basis. And it's very clear that Dasha from Rescue doesn't care about anything, let alone providing additional voice lines for a video game. You know, like they had to record more voice lines. So it wouldn't surprise me if these people were just baseline like, no, we don't have the time. Um... I appreciate these changes. I have to say, I like. I think the. I think it really feels like a, a final draft of the game. You know, it feels like they they put out something and they got a, a, a some feedback and then they re they looked at the work and then they fine tuned it. It doesn't seem like right now because I'm so early into the game, the changes aren't so big that they're very very noticeable. But this feels like. A game that's much more expensive than it initially was, like by made by a bigger team than it initially was, because they got to go back in and make these additional changes. Uh, it's like uh, Kanye West patching uh, Life of Pablo. They went back and they fixed wolves. <laughs> you know. Um. So, one thing I have heard is that the PlayStation version, when it first came out, was not great. Um, that like the implementation is fine, whatever. But that like the that edition was having some issues just with like stability, performance, et cetera. It had a bunch of crashes and yeah. bugs that were fucking with people. But uh, is it pretty seamless for you? Oh, runs like a dream. This is like the the controls on this are so much better than I thought 
they were going to be and have it's it once you get over the initial like where's my cursor you know pan- panic that I always have when I'm playing something on a controller that I normally play with a keyboard and mouse um I found it much smoother to control than the the PC version in general uh even though it's like not it's clearly not built with that control scheme in mind and the the final cut edition no there's no crashes no hinging nothing technical that I can discern. In fact, the art all looks a lot clearer and brighter. I think they gave the art a little bit of a refresh too. I don't know if they changed like the color balancing here, but I just feel like I can see everything a lot better. It's such a beautiful game and a beautiful world. I'm really, really excited to dig into this with another person. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm excited to sort of play it as a book club, you know, as a book club game, like as, as literature, because there's, there's a lot to talk about. <laughs> Like almost immediately, once you get the body down from the tree, you can ask the dead body, you know, using your your Inland Empire skill, what killed him? And he'll say communism. And that that immediately between my boyfriend and I led into a 15 minute conversation about what that means and like what the game has set up about what ideological differences mean in this world and what communism means in this world. And David was like, well, I mean, it, it follows the like historical uh, like sort of perspective on revolutions that uh, we can see, like sort of on especially the communist revolution. And like from there, like if you are two nerds like us, like this game just becomes like a wonderful jumping off point to just talk about like why we live in the system of government that we do <laughs> and like what led to this and what how people are being hurt by it. I think it's a good game. Uh, I also think that these guys... These guys are like really, really lucky that no one made the connection between Nick Mullen and the cowboy cop they keep referencing in-game Dick Mullen. (laughs) You know? I just will say that everyone's, they're very lucky that video game journalists do not listen to Come Town. (laughs) I'll just say, they say some fucked up shit on that show and I don't think, I don't think there's anything wrong with the people that make this game. I don't think they're prejudiced in any way, but that's a sense of humor that I don't think would have flied. <laughs> it's very funny that like when I play it with some, with my boyfriend who's not like embedded in video game culture, he like immediately picked up on the fact that they were referencing this like little known New York comedian Nick Mullen when they keep talking about Dick Mullen. <sighs> anyway, it's a Layers. good video game. It's it's a very game. It's and also like the I think it, it speaks to you know the fact that the VO allows it to be played more like a book club. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll, you know, goes I think a long way towards highlighting like just how much more that writing is punching up than like typical video. Like it's just good yeah. writing, yes. right? In which mm-hmm. which often writing, you know, it looks like a bio mutant. Like I don't like very unfair comparison, <laughs> but it, like the writing in that game, like a lot of games is just servicing a means to an end to get a player from one thing to the next mm-hmm. to like, okay, we have this combat scenario set up. We have this, you know, puzzle set up. Um, and, and that it's, it's the writing exists because you need to provide like a perfunctory motivation for, for the character, not because that's like the, the, the primary uh, like the, the core to the DNA of like what makes the thing function. Like disco doesn't work stripped of its writing. Like yeah. it's not, I mean, it's still very beautiful. Like mm-hmm. the, the soundtrack's mm-hmm. fantastic. I mean, there's a lot of really, you know, individual elements that, that could, you know, it's, it's very funny in places, yeah. but like, you know, that writing is, is, is so core to, to what it works. And it almost seems like the VO helps it sing Absolutely. to an even uh, higher degree or even makes it more accessible for like streaming and mm-hmm. things like that. Where if, you know, often it's the, you know, the complicating factor of playing like a JRPG or something like that is like, am I going to speak all the dialogue in the yeah. game or just like, 
play it at the pace that I think everyone is, re- you know what I mean? So like having voice acting kind of eliminates that. And uh, yeah. that just that, that makes it seem, you know, that, that that's cool. It makes me excited for more people to play it. Yeah. The voice acting, I think that the choices that they replace, you know, people are fond of those guys, but... These are just better voice actors. You know, I think the the dialogue... They're professional for a reason, yeah, exactly. right? Like stunt, stunt point <laughs> casting is, you know, a good way to get you headlines mm-hmm. and, you know, obviously speaks to like the communities they were trying to speak to in in like the writing of that, of that game. Absolutely. And maybe and probably in, in, in service of being an obscure game that people like had kind of seen in the corner of PAX and had yeah. to like, that game looks pretty interesting. Yeah. And then as it started to take off, it probably helped to have oh, yeah. folks like that. It was free marketing, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. Everybody and was talking about, oh, the Chapo guys are in that game, right? Right. Yeah. Right. So it was probably worth it for like what they were doing at the time. Mm-hmm. And then once you're starting to expand to like a larger audience that maybe is a little more discerning, like doesn't know mm-hmm. who those people are. Doesn't get the um, in-jokes. It's no longer right. in-jokes. They're, yeah. Yeah. They're, they're more likely to, uh, you know, uh, bristle at like mediocre voice acting because mm-hmm. it's not being made up for the fact that it's stunt casting that yeah. makes them chuckle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're no longer going to be like, ha, 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 Felix Biederman right. loves talking about Metal Gear. You know, you have to, like, <laughs> engage with the text of the game. Now, what you said about the the voice acting really highlighting and making the dialogue sing is so, so true. You really get the sense now that every single character, especially when you're talking to Kim Katsuragi, which, of course, I love that guy. Um, <laughs> you, you really get the sense this person has an entire interior world. You know, that you don't know about. You you get your your it's easier also to treat the character you're playing as as their own character with their own shit going on because your limp your all of your um skills also are fully voiced now. So when they talk to you, they're like really talking to you. So you can interact with them intellectually in a in a more separate way and the way the game is like designed around. See, that's good because I, like, one of my, uh, I'm a really fast reader to a fault. Yes. (laughs) Where I then don't, like, fully internal, like, I'm reading, Mm -hmm. did I, like, really read the page that (laughs) uh, I was going through? Do you sometimes start in the middle and then have to go back to the top of the page? Yeah, yeah. That happens to me. And I just read really fast, and I get get enough to, like, yeah, I could tell you what I read, Mm -hmm. but I don't know that I could tell you what I read. Yeah. And Disco, by having the sheer volume of writing... I found myself lapsing into how I would read a novel sometimes, yep. which is like, I know there's a lot of text in front of me. And so I get the impulse to read a little faster than I probably should. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if I got voice acting, like I'm not going to do that. Like yeah. I'm going li- to, especially if it's good voice acting, yeah. I'm going to sit and I'm going to listen yes. and mm-hmm. marinate in that a little bit. And my get, you know, there were frequently points in disco where I was just kind of humming along a little too fast yeah. and would have appreciated a reason to sit with it a little bit longer. And so the voice acting like almost works as a, you know, uh, an impulse against that. Yeah, it was really helping me slow down because I wanted David to hear all of it. I played the opening of the game at least three times now because I keep starting it and then forgetting where I am and then starting it over. Uh, <laughs> it happens to me a lot. I also had to restart Breath of the Wild recently because I was like, I opened it up and I was like, I don't even know geographically where I am or what any of the buttons do anymore. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, like all video games yeah. that like, should have some sort of like, hey, you, man, we have turned on for the first time in <laughs> yeah. a couple of months. Would yeah. you like to do a tutorial? Let's just uh, briefly like take you minutes? back to the starting area and brief you yeah. on what all these buttons do, please. Yes, I would love that. <laughs> if developers, if you're listening to this, please, this is the next gen feature we do actually need is like. Yeah, well, especially when like DLC comes out yes. or something six months later. Yes. It's like, all right. 
Time to spend 45 minutes just knowing what R2 does. Yes, please. Please, God, please. Like, when I started a a new game plus in God of War recently, I was just like, well, I have all the weapons, but I don't know how to fucking use any of them. (laughs) Yeah. No, yeah, that that same as anything happened to me when I was, like, reviewing stuff for the PS5 launch. was like, I'm going to check out how God of War looks. And it's like, well, I'm just going to see how it looks because (laughs) I don't, these buttons mean, (laughs) I'm not going to spend an hour watching YouTube explainer videos on the the controls. Yes, like, it's it's one of, this is like, this is a complete sidebar, but this is like a quality of life thing that I think would just lead to people completing more games, right? If we want people to finish games, we have to, like, uh, appreciate the fact that people stop and start things. People don't just play things for 60 hours on a clip. People have lives. You know, I, we, a lot of people do mention, I have seen people say, like, you know, the we're talking about how long it takes to beat things, blah, blah, blah. Like, that's not the point of a video game. Like, that's true. But it's also like, if I have a long book, like, I appreciate the ability to put that book down and, like, do something else for, like, maybe a long time. Maybe, like, two weeks. Maybe, like, a month. And then I can return to the book. And all it takes me to get back up to speed is flip back a couple of pages. And then I can remember where in the story I was. Video right. games don't have that feature. And they require you to interact with them. And just, like, literally, just, like, have a pop-up that's, like, there's what all the buttons do. Just please. <laughs> Otherwise, I won't be able to I'll have to start over and I'll never finish your game. <laughs> More games need to have, like, the, um, like, time trial feature of, like, the opening of Titanfall. Mm-hmm. Where it's like, I sorry, I yes. just need to go in here and like, you know, all the gameplay challenges there, a little like tool prompts of like, here's how you do this. And like, I can build that confidence back up. Mm-hmm. I, did, I ended up, I almost always ended up in, in the Batman games once the um, combat trials and stealth trials like were available. That would be my way back into the game because I'd like load a save and I'd just be getting my ass kicked. And I was mm-hmm. like, uh, when did I become a bad Batman? <laughs> And then I would go into the stealth sims or the combat sims, and I was like, okay, right, I'm just going to do this again and again and again until I'm back up to speed. Um, Though, I don't know, like, I sure would like it if more games didn't stall out into time killing uh, and make it very easy to put them down. I was like, I think I'd rather experience the high of the carefully authored first few hours of a game rather than continue to play this game's long middle section. Mm, yeah, <laughs> um, I do feel that way sometimes. Because the first, sometimes the first levels, they like feel not just like, oh, it's an introduction to a world that I want to explore. I'm so excited. Like they really get you hyped on it, on the fiction. It's like, oh, this is like a very authored section of the game where what's expected of me is very simple. And in the middle part, what's expected of me is less simple, a lot less clear. And sometimes it's really exciting for me. And sometimes it's overwhelming. <laughs> well, and, and just so often, I think early parts of a game feel like either, you know, you mentioned fiction writing. It either feels like the thing you write for yourself before you show it to anyone. And you're like, this is really exciting. Or more accurately, I think maybe. The first level of a game often is the story I would describe to somebody where I'm like, I have this idea and it's awesome. Mm -hmm. And then the middle part of the game that follows that section is when I tried to fill out the rest of it, where I was like, okay, but then what happens with this concept? (laughs) Mm -hmm. And I don't have great answers. Mm -hmm. And in video games, the not having great answers just extends into like so often just like, yeah, but at least it's content. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like, it's I like, don't know. I just t- I think I'd like I'd rather a little higher killer to filler uh, ratio. Um, so I'm just gonna 
futilely start a different game and try to get that high again from the first few hours. It's so funny. Um, I do, 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 I do this all the time, especially in strategy games where a lot of those games where you're building resources in the beginning hours, it's so much fun. You feel so successful. You're getting a constant drip feed of dopamine into your brain because you're just like, I'm amazing. I'm so good at this. I'm doing so well. And then when you get to the part where you have to make very complicated choices and every single choice you make affects another thing, that's when I'm just like, I have sensory overload and I have to do something else. Yeah, it's... um. And and a lot of those early parts of the games, like the gains you can make are so palpable where it's like you improved this or you upgraded this. And it's like, yeah, I did. I can feel it. And then often as the game goes on, you're starting to deal with more like um, things are like accreting via scale, but the individual impact of any decision isn't necessarily as revelatory. And so it's often like, okay, like I got I upgraded that or I or I built a new thing doesn't feel like a whole lot has changed uh because relatively to what that represented early in the game it now doesn't really mean shit i have to Mm -hmm. do that like many times that's Mm -hmm. kind of the paradox model right where it's like you know at a certain point it's like yeah i've i have built many market towns my friend Mm -hmm. it's not exactly moving the needle for me uh, as it as it once did ironically Um, even though it's impossible to get back into game of god of war the most recent one once you've put it down for a while But that's a game that I think has a very strong example of giving you new skills and making it feel as exciting as the first time you got a new skill. Like, they really managed to up the ante in that game. They have an advantage of having a wealth of, like, lore material they can draw back on that has, in the fiction, like, excitement built into it. Like, of course, when he gets back his original weapon, even I, who never played those original games, felt kind of hyped because they they (laughs) were the text of the game was able to draw on itself and build it up as something really important, mysterious, that you should feel proud of, of getting or a little bit fearful of or excited to have. Um, I do think a lot of games, the, the, the mid-game like dopamine and serotonin effects that they're trying to get the player to achieve, it, you, you in a lot of games, the balance is not there. I always feel like I'm being asked to bring a lot more of my own happiness to it rather than the game meeting me halfway between my understanding of its mechanics and my skill level. Okay, I'm going to have to think a lot <laughs> offline about bringing your own happiness to a game because it resonates. I'm not yeah, sure. Right? I'm like, that's like one of those things where I'm like, am I supposed to do that? Like, is that a fair expectation of the game? I, I absolutely do it where it's like, there are games where I'm like, I'm sorry, I just do not have... I do not have the wherewithal mm-hmm. to play you today. And yeah. there's a lot of games I enjoy that I'm like, I just like I, I sit down. I'm like, I would really like to see the next part. And then I think, of course, there's all those things you need to optimize. Yes, and yes, God. You're you're getting bad at doing. This is you like, really need to be focused. Can you are you are you gonna before you sit down to this game, are you gonna be dialed in? Are yeah. you gonna are you gonna play like you give a shit? And I'm like, I'm not. I am sorry. Yeah. I am not. <laughs> I am going to open up a very light, like turn-based tactics yes. game right now that I can easily roll. So I haven't started a new dwarf fortress save in like a year. I keep building worlds and I'm like, I go into the legends viewer and read all the history, and I'm like, well, building a fortress is a little bit different than making a world though. And I don't know if I want to do that. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's like you cracked right. open my uh, anyway. Patrick, 
you never have any yeah. problem getting into the games. Is there anything you're into right now that you do like? Uh, one uh, shout out. I was playing it uh, this morning. Um, what? We should take a break. It's Whoa. just getting to the, be that time. As far as wow, the voice of Kato has come I'm in and, and actually said, "Rob, you're wrong. <laughs> uh, we need to, we need to stop." Kato doesn't had do that. that to Austin, had that energy, right? and thank God we're I've here done to, that just to Austin. get right in there and shut it the fuck down. <laughs> Would he got into that well, break Austin in a minute? Always says, yeah, yeah, one more yeah, thing. Yeah, I was only going to talk about a game for about two, three minutes. It's fine though. It's fine. We'll take a break. We'll just, we'll just try and recapture that energy. That's just uh-huh. how podcasts work. Like, let's go. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm ready. Are we breaking? Yeah. We, we, never... we did it. We're breaking. Are we back? Are we back for the break? That's it. I don't I think know, Kato. You tell us. We're back <laughs> yeah. from the break. Wow. <laughs> All right. Um, well, Patrick, Kato, you sure were you... saying. Uh, yeah. Well, I want, I want Kato to pre- get the document, prepare to read the end of the podcast, because you're the host now. Great. Um, okay. So Kato just should be the host. Don't, don't even have access to anything. Look, you gotta look for it. Don't tell me nothing. <laughs> request it, request access to the link, and we'll see if Austin's paying attention on his phone. Right um, I uh, yeah, I, I spent some time this morning. Uh, I did the tutorials last week, and then I finally sat down to play this morning. Uh, Knockout City, which is a new uh, like a dodgeball game from EA, a company who I feel like once a quarter puts out a multiplayer game that nobody pays attention to, but like their PR people are like sending like a lot of emails. Are like, we're we got another one. Here's another multiplayer game from Electronic Arts um, that, like, looks really slick and, like, well-meaning and then just completely flops. Um, and and uh, whatever they did one with, like, rocket, rocket launchers Arena, not right? that long. Yeah, yeah, that one's still that was good. a little bit. But, like, it had, like, a, like, too high price point, like, wasn't a free-to-play. Like, it had issues out there. Like, and that's what I've heard every time. And EA's not the only company that does this. I feel like a lot of bigger companies fall into this trap or they want to make, like, a the next fall guys or something like, Hey, we make games. Why can't we do one of these? And it just <laughs> never seems to come from those spaces. It always seems to come from smaller developers, um, that, uh, managed to make these games that kind of like, you know, the among us and, and, and fall guys and, and games of that nature. Um, so, uh, I was prepared to like knockout city to be just another one of those. Like, all right, I'm going to paste these codes into our slack and nobody's going to redeem them. Uh, partially cause that's just, we don't play a ton of games like that. And also partially because that's just kind of a trap. A lot of these games seem to, to fall in. Like I see big game companies pay some creators like on Twitch and YouTube to play their game. And that's the, like the last you hear of them um, before they, they fade into to, to nothingness. And so, but I saw enough people like people I know, like posting clips and be like, yo, like knockout city is actually like pretty fucking cool. And I was like, all right. Um, usually I avoided these games because the mechanics are, 
dense on purpose because it's supposed to that's supposed to be part of like the you know the longevity of like you know a lot that's going on here so you can like enjoy the depth of a multiplayer game for you know hundreds or thousands of hours but I, the page i'd heard was like all right this is a dodgeball game you throw the dodgeball and then there's a different button and you can catch the dodgeball and if you can do that part like you can have a good time like i'm like happy to say like yeah like th- that part is really good it is a so the setup is you're, it's at least in the, the basic like opening mode is three on three. Um, you're you can you got these characters you can run around in um, like pretty kind of floaty physics. You're like you know you have bumpers you know that you can like bump into the air. You have these hang gliders that you instead of a double jump you have uh, these hang gliders that just appear by holding X and you can kind of float around the arena. Um, you know there's things like air that can like shoot you up and, and different things that kind of depending on the environment that you're in. But the basic mechanics of the game are you find a dodgeball. You crank, you can throw it right away by tapping R2 or the, you know, the equivalent on whatever platform you're on. You can charge it. Those change the speed. And if you are the opposing player, if you don't have a ball, um, you uh, tap L2 right before it happens and you can grab it. And so the, the main thrust of the game is throwing balls, trying to time the grabs. And like there is like quite literally nothing more satisfying that I've experienced like mechanically in a game in the last couple of weeks than like just charging into battle where like, I don't have a gun. I don't have a, a ball. And I see this motherfucker and like, I see you charging. Like, it's fine. Charge away. <laughs> like I am ready to intercept this ball. And you will, you time that L2, you grab the ball and then you just throw it right back in their face. And <laughs> like, because of the way the aesthetics, like there's like, it's not overpowering, but there's enough going on that like, that's meant to kind of like throw off your timing. The amount of time you're holding R2 is kind of a strategic decision. Like, are you just trying to get the ball out really quickly where someone thinks they're trying to dash away? They're not preparing for the counter. Um, or do you want to hold that R2, get it really fast. And like, that's the way you're going to throw off their timing. Um, and then there's all these smaller mechanics that feed into that. If you don't have a ball, but you're, you've got a player next to you, you can roll yourself into a ball and you can throw another player. Um, so you don't have to find an actual dodgeball in the arena. Um, you, uh, can like, let's say you're uh, one person's got a ball and you're, 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 you're with someone else and you're trying to find the other players. You can toss the ball back and forth and increase its charge so that it can, uh, players have like, uh, three health bar, you know, like three hearts or whatever. And you can, you can do more damage to them if that is, that is powered up and do like a one shot kill. You have different types of, uh, balls that, uh, like you have the, uh, the football is kind of like a sniper weapon and it makes like kind of like a when you pick it up, but then you can, you can target that ball from like way across the arena. And yes, that's useful in that you can, like, if you see someone running away from you, like a hundred yards away, like the digital equivalent, you can kind of hit them from behind, but also you'll get warnings in the UI. And so it's like, you may be running, but then if you, as long as you're tracking the UI, you, you won't just get hit like a blue shell. Like you will actually, you can turn around, grab that ball, fling it back at them right away. You have a, a dash, which is really fun because let's say you're coming up on someone and they don't want to throw that ball. They're trying to line up their shot. Well, as long as you just run up on their ass and dash into them, you can knock the ball out of them, jump in the air, grab it and throw it all within like a three second span and just completely fuck up their day. It's, I don't play these types of games and I had just like a blast in the like 40 minutes that I played it this morning. Um, I want to say it's, it's like free for the first 10 days before it's going to cost Something so there's sort of like a, a free ongoing trial on a variety of platforms, and I think we're still in that uh, that window. Um, but yeah, it's just a really 
it's just a really fun, basic multiplayer game that has a bunch of depth to it. But as long as you just understand the basics of throw the ball, try to grab the ball, um, it's it, it's like a lot of fun really quickly. It on-ramps you into to the experience really fast. So yeah, that's that's Knockout City. I highly recommend it, um, especially if you're like me and you're not someone that typically plays these games. Like I'd, I've been playing it on PS5 and I think it's on Switch and like the, I'm immediately going to download it on Switch because that's like much where I'd rather play that game um, oh, you're sitting on my really couch. really freaking sold me on this game. God damn it. Yeah, I do. I, again, <laughs> like I, I feel, I think hopefully part of it speaks to the fact that like I, these games, I don't like these games because they require such a big time investment and mm-hmm. maybe I'll reach that plateau, like I'll hit that pretty quickly in this game where like I'll only want to play with friends and if none of my friends are playing like random matchmaking is is not going to do it. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. Like, you know, but um, uh, I mean, it was just like, like, you know, I played like, you know, you know, it's like rounds of three and I played, you know, a handful of matches this morning. And the first time there was like a really satisfying arc with my team of three where it's like, you know, uh, you know, first to 10. And like, we just got just decimated on the first run. Cause it was like my first time too. So like, I, I was not a full participant. I'm just sitting there like reminding myself <laughs> what the buttons are on this game. So I did the tutorials last week. And like, you know, we only got like two kills, just like destroyed. Then the next round, like we got five. Nice. And, like the next round, we got eight. And we didn't win any of those. But I was like, you know, this team is strong. Mm-hmm. We were figuring oh it God. out. We're being scattered <laughs> to the winds. We have to redo rematchmaking. But I feel good about this 0-3. It is one where you're going into next season thinking this team's got promise. It's spoken um, like a true and, Chicago sports fan. So. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, we got and, a great culture here. Exactly. <laughs> like we really had built it, and it's unfortunate, you know, got a lot of signings. Not everyone can stay on the team. Yeah. Um, but uh But we're building and then, something, and if you want to be part exactly. of it, come to Patrick's <laughs> Dodgeball Knockout exactly. City team. Uh and and then the second like the second one was like we went back and forth, lost the, you know, the the best of three. And then the last match I played just boy, like, you know, when you get just a group of losers that got matched together. We were just bullies. We were just like going over to the spawn areas and just be like, ha ha, gotcha. Like, we don't even know how to catch this ball, motherfucker. And we're like just winning 9-1-10-0. Like, I felt bad. I was like, I'm going to, you know what? I'm just going to chill here for a second. Let you try and get it together. Like, float around the space a little bit. And then you would just come upon, like, we're throwing, we're throwing, like, people are rolling into balls just for funsies Mm -hmm. and just like throwing ourselves between one another. It was so much ah. fun. What a delight. Uh, um, I got seems like it'd be a really shot. I love it seems like it'd be I love that Patrick is describing the basic functions of online like matchmaking. Yeah. And it's just like, man, and then this last game, we were just we just rocked. Like it was incredible. We just Listen. we were really like we were really clicking. The- and like meanwhile, behind the scenes, man, we need to find these guys a fucking W. Like, okay. <laughs> yeah. Three in a row. We kept matchmaking them yeah, down. Get that MMR and, like, down. Never pulled together. <laughs> it's really truly like it's it's so much fun how it's fun every time to be a bully in a video game where you can't talk to another person. <laughs> it's like really fun, especially if your chat windows off and in Overwatch, and someone's someone's been toxic to you, right, on the other team in Overwatch, and then like they make a mistake, and in Overwatch, it's so easy to t- turn a, a one mistake into the other team just completely taking advantage of it and completely demolishing the other team in a way that they can never recover from because the game just moves so quickly, and so it's so very fun when you get a toxic person and you never speak to them. But you just spawn camp, which is like, I think is the meanest thing you can do in a video game. Yep. You just spawn camp them. It feels so good. <laughs> I don't know why. 
Yeah, and like so like that yeah, that was like to go out I was like I, I, I had time to like do one more match and I was like, No, I'm good. I'm I'm going out on this feeling <laughs> of just like yes. ruining some six year olds like friends that were playing before school or, or whatever because they saw the free knockout city game was out. Yep. But it's just it's just a neat dynamic because tr- traditionally with a lot of these, you know, a lot of multiplayer games, like you feel like you need, if you go in without the right setup, it's like, oh well like Maybe I could do something, but like the deck is stacked stacked against me because I needed to. I didn't get the right you know gun or the right like loot drop or whatever. Mm-hmm. And in here, I like the dynamic of well, actually, you have a weapon. You just have to grab it. Like when someone throws it at you, just take it away from them. Mm-hmm. Like either charge them and knock it out of their hands, or like grab it with. And the the window on the the grab is very generous. Um, That's great. You do have to get it, but like it's it doesn't feel like I'm parrying in Dark Souls. Like I feel credibly. That sometimes either through sheer luck of spamming or, um, or or through, you know, actually like setting it up, I will be able to accomplish. Like they want you to counter like they, and they want you to be countering that sounds- constantly. Like it's part of the de- they want you to feel that if you go into, you know, you see three people uh, uh, sparring together, throwing balls that you can get in there and like you'll be able to make something happen. You aren't at a complete disadvantage just because you haven't like scrounged the map to like find a ball. It's like oh, you can go find one. Like you'll just go get it in, in the middle of that scrum. Um, or, you know, if, as long as you're watching carefully, when someone throws the, a ball, it doesn't disappear off the map. Like it just sits there and is you know, defunct until someone picks it up. So it's just, there's a lot going on, even if you haven't like fully internalized, like the dynamics of the map and we're like the best, you know, you know, the weapon uh, is cause there isn't a lot of that here. Mm-hmm. It's more about getting into the the scrum and like enjoying yourself in, in the midst of that all under the cutesy aesthetic of Throwing, uh, you know, dodgeballs. A yeah. game I was never particularly good at. No. In, See, from in, your description at the start, I was like, are we unearthing some, like, Patrick secret, like, I mean, I really Patrick enjoy, Carpenter, I, king of the dodgeball we court? Already no, know I, I enjoyed playing so. it, but I was not. Yeah. I was not particularly good at it. Um, um, I, could, I could always, I could catch very well. So, like, that was, like, always my role, like, playing. It was like, all right, well, our, our team is up against it. I'm going to focus on just catch, you know, the rules were always, you know, if you caught it, then it got the other person you know, out. Um, there's nothing like that here in Knockout City. You don't like, you know, uh, take away part of their health if you if you capture it. But uh, no, I was not a bully on the on the the dodgeball court in in school. I was not not quite that. I wasn't quite tall enough to to pull that off. Yeah, they called me Daria in high school. Na 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 na. I would just stand there. I would be like, I got about an hour to stand. So I'm gonna stand. Yep. You want to hit me? I, you know, go I, ahead. I got things. That to means do. that I'll sit down, and I'm okay with I that got some, too. So I got some sulking to do in the corner yeah. here. So if you could just, if you could just move it along. Yeah, I walk the track often in high school. <laughs> oh, you're one of those people. Oh, all well, right. You know, we figured out if you make it to the bleachers, you could probably you could smoke a, ha- a cigarette underneath the bleachers, <laughs> and you by the time you're done, the the gym teacher is so not watching you, he won't even notice. You can just finish your lap, and he'll just believe that you went on a lap. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm just now I'm just picturing you like hanging out with the John Belushi character from the Little Chocolate Donuts uh, commercial, <laughs> where where you just like I logged a lot of miles training for that day and I downed a lot of donuts. <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right, um, yeah. Gita, you've been playing something else this week. Oh uh, yeah, something big and from the past. <clears throat> I've been playing my own memories of 9/11. <laughs> No, uh, I've been playing Shin Megami Tensei 3 Nocturne, which is a game I've been fascinated by for a lot of my adult life and only really got a chance to play in an intimate and like 
fully consuming way very recently. It's been remastered. It's a PS2 Japanese RPG uh, from Atlas. It is the third in the Shin Megami Tensei series, which is a series that includes these sub-series Persona. Um, and I think it is an interesting midpoint between what Shin Megami Tensei was and also Persona, especially because they are in this game is one of the last games that they use these this particular uh, character designer that used to design all of the Persona games as well until Persona 3, which was the one that really led to Persona becoming more famous and successful than Shin Megami Tensei. Um, but it also uh, features two, a high school protagonist like the Persona games um, and involves a lot more like high school stuff. But, but really what the thing that is most interesting about it is just the setting that it depicts, which is what I wrote about mostly in the, the review that's up on the site today, is... Um, so you start off the game, you're just a regular high school student in Tokyo, you're visiting your homeroom teacher at the hospital because you really like her, and you, you know, and uh, she, once you get there, uh, you and your two friends discover that actually the world is ending. <laughs> the world is ending, you are fucked. Um, being in this hospital saves you and your two teenage friends, but you are transformed into the demi-fiend, which is a half-demon, half-human hybrid which allows you to also talk to demons, which have taken over the surface of what used to be Tokyo, but now it's going to call it the vortex world. It's a, um, it's essentially you're on the inside of an egg, right? Like the world is now a sphere and the inside of Tokyo is on the inside of the sphere. In the middle of the sphere is like a false moon, uh, Kagutsuchi, which is sending out pulses of energy through the universe, you know, like, like you do. But generally speaking, you are like you are like the unborn fetus of the world now. And as the demi fiend, your role is to find a capital R reason for the world to be reborn. And there's a lot of really interesting mechanics in here. Um, one of the things I didn't get a, a chance to talk about in my review is that in order to learn new skills, you have to consume um, this thing. I forget what it's called. Everything has an, a Japanese name that's related to a philosophical concept that the, the, the religion and evocative lore in this is very deep. But you have to consume these things that, that will show you what skills you will learn as you level up. You start with one that gives you purely physical skills and then you gain one that you can buy one that gives you healing skills and you can buy one that gives you ice and fire skills, et cetera, et cetera, and so on and so on as a way to sort of customize your character uh, and what they can do as you level up. But, you know, the first one, sometimes after a battle, it will tell you that you're being, it's flooding with you with energy. Like, do you, will you let it continue? And it'll just full heal your party. And that's great. Uh, then one of the later ones you consume will do that after battle randomly sometimes. Be like, it's flooding with energy. Are you going to let it continue or not? And that one will just, like, the ice one, I think, just poisons you. <laughs> like, it just gives you a status effect. And you're like, fuck off. Come on. <laughs> there's, there's like so many things in this game that like on purpose clearly are esoteric. Like they want you to get caught in a bad situation because you just essentially like are, you know, you have watched the world change overnight into something you can't recognize and you're just being asked to deal with it, which is such an evocative premise, I feel like. And one that I think a lot of people in 2003 when this game came out 
would really understand. You know, there's a before and after point in my life and the lives of other people of my generation. And it's September 11th, 2001. You know, like I, I, and that morning, I believed certain things about the world. I was a child, you know, I was 11, I was 10, only a couple of days away from my birthday. And at the end of the day, I believed completely different things, you know, like my conception of what America was, was changed like completely overnight. You know, it, it reminded me so much. This is a line that got cut from the review, but this just the visual imagery of a Tokyo that's now sort of half drowned in ash and desert reminded me so much. My friend Fontaine grew up in uh, Red Hook in uh, in Brooklyn, and she said like that day on the September 11th, she left her bedroom window open, and even in Brooklyn, there was like a light layer of ash over everything when she got back home. It's uh, it's, it's I think about 9-11 a lot, <laughs> mostly because I think about the repercussions of that event. You know, uh, right in the 90s, we were operating under the uh, the, the, the philosophical idea, uh, the, the political science idea from Francis Fukuyama's book, The End of History, which is that after the end of the Cold War in 89, when the Berlin Wall came down, there were no longer going to be this, there's no longer a broad um, ideological struggle between those, the ideas of communism and, and capitalism. Right. Capitalism won was his was his argument there. Um, but and he also, Francis Fukuyama, should be noted, did mention Islamic terrorism, but said that it was because it's so specific and sectarian. He didn't anticipate it spreading in the same way that communism did throughout the world. Clearly and obviously he was wrong. But you you take the something about the juxtaposition of a world where. Things are very set and like every you accept everything without question to one where things are just you've had something else revealed to you about how the world works and you can't unsee that is something I think I especially at this point in my life um, after having lived through the after effects of 9-11 and the war on terror and the way that that has completely reshaped the Middle East. And now, you know, thinking so much about the Israel-Palestine conflict, like it is like a, a game that leads to a deep well of introspective thought that I think is very useful. And that's my so, review. I think it's good. Video games are good. End of pod. <laughs> <laughs> well, one thing I did, I was kind of interested in as, as well, and, and you talk about this in your view, is that there's a lot of, you, you alluded to this, there's, there's a lot of friction in this game that's like just meant to kind of just piss you off and mm-hmm. like you said put you in these in these bad situations mm-hmm. and i think something that i'm always so, so torn about is like on the one hand i get really nostalgic for these early areas of gaming where mm-hmm. it's like yeah boy like you did seem to sort of get cornered in bad situations in games or like have to reload a save and just like redo a ton of work and like i can be nostalgic for it but then at the same time like if that happens to me if i have to do it i'm like well fuck this i hate yeah. this and well, this, this one has a this one has an easy mode yeah. like to count like my experience with uh, Nocturne, which is I think is it a piece I don't know if it's up it'll be up this week of talking to the localization team like it's interesting the the localizers who uh, several of the localizers who worked on the original script which is important because the it was the first time a uh, you know Persona esque game like Atlas Shin Megami had not come over to the you know had left Japan this was the first time they were bringing that over mm-hmm. they like kept it really intact with like a lot of the um like feel and like try to like let's make it more whimsical like Final Fantasy to mm-hmm. try and say, like no it was like this is like a dark and weird and fucked up uh yeah. story and world um and it's found its audience um but uh 
you know, like, I, when I I had heard, you know, I'd played a lot of JRPGs growing up and I had heard about this game on the horizon. I was like, all right, like I'm, I think I was a freshman in college. I was like, I'm ready for like, I'm ready for like the adult JRPG. <laughs> yeah. And like, I'm Shin Megami Tensei Nocturne. That sounds very Japanese, which means it's like a little bit different. And than, like, Nocturne, the stuff I'm pretty playing. adult, right? Oh yeah. <laughs> like edgy. Like I'm, I'm, I'm on my own time for like, on my own JRPG. I am up so uh, late. And it, and I had heard the combat specifically was like like really hard. So like th- this was at the time. They still do this a little bit, but like you could buy like these really gorgeous like strategy guides that went alongside a lot of these I games. And that. the one for this game in particular was like really pretty mm-hmm. and detailed. And because the combat like didn't follow the typical like Final Fantasy like Dragon Quest model, you know, it had some of that, but it was doing its own thing. And specifically, it was trying to be hostile to the player. Mm-hmm. I was like, all right, I'll get these together and I'll go home and I'll play this game. I got like really into the atmosphere and and the look of the game, and then it met the Matador oh, and got my uh, ass kicked <laughs> and yeah. tra- attempted to beat the Matador, like following the specific guide. Like in this strategy guide, still couldn't do it, and there were no difficulty options, so I closed the strategy guide and I closed my copy of Nocturne, and I I never made it past the like that again. I've no and I know like that's like not an original story. Yeah. Like a lot, a lot of, of people, people have played that game, got to that yeah. boss, which is like six hours in or something, and was like, oh, like because it, it's like the gate where the game goes. Mm-hmm. Like all right, like if you can pass through this. We think you're ready for the rest of the game. Yeah. And if you can't, then maybe you should just like go back to playing Final Fantasy. Yeah, the one thing. Dope, uh, which is what the, I did. The lore of Shimagami Tensei and Persona is so interesting. Usually, so in Persona 3, yeah, Persona 3, the Matador is an optional boss that's known to be specifically super fucking hard. So the fact, like, for players of Shimagami Tensei and Persona, the fact that the Matador is a completely necessary boss is a signal a signal to those players how hard this game is. They're like, we're not going to let you just skip over this boy. <laughs> You're going to need to play this one. Uh, it really is, like, even the random encounters in the very early parts of the game, you really have to sit and think about cost benefit analysis yeah, game overs happen extremely yes. <laughs> like to a degree that i was like all right like what's going on here yes. like i've i've played some video games <laughs> and i thought i was a you know an aspiring adult what's happening like what's going on like i think it's actually possible i might have bought it and not got the strategy guide and then like cowered my way back to the GameStop. <laughs> well, to get oh to i the, forgot to this how guide. crazy <laughs> yeah uh, um because it is it, it 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 was it was you know and this is long before like tons of difficulty modes and accessibility conversations but Again, like the traditionally JRPGs were the kind of things like you could you could uh, change the difficulty curve yourself, right? Like just all right, fine. You're having trouble with this boss, this area, grind it out. Um, and there are there are elements of that in Nocturne, but also it's just you really just have to understand the combat and the, the like what's going on here, or else the game is just gonna shut the door on you. Yeah, it, it shut the door. On, on me. I'm really happy that there's an easy mode now because I think the actual plot content of this game is fascinating. It's, uh, so once you get into the the finding a reason part, there's more reasons than this. But like essentially, um, the two reasons your human friends come up with are uh, one, the your your haughty, f- popular female friend who's wearing a t- like a double denim, like she's Britney Spears of the VMAs. Uh, <laughs> it's truly an incredible outfit. She is like. 
I can't believe like I was so powerful in the world of high school, but I'm not powerful here in the world of demons. The reason I would want is one where world is like a social, the world is sort of like a, a Darwinist world where survival of the fittest is the only thing that matters. And she, of course, it's a reaction. Like mean girls as ideology? Yes. Yeah. Like it's, it's <laughs> the character writing in this game is very, very strong in that they think about like it's about ideology. It's about how ideology drives human behavior. And it's about how ideology is completely inescapable. These teenagers were asked to come up with a their own ideology and they come up with ironic reflections of their own lack of self-esteem right so the other friend you have is like a xander harris misanthrope type who uses humor to deflect from how low their self-esteem is and he comes up with a world where like everyone's literally in their separate universe like you are the only person in the world because he doesn't want to be judged that badly but of course he also wants other people's approval so like there is the other thing where they they're creating worlds that will also be their ironic hells you know, like that, that stuff, you can just sink your teeth into that shit, you yeah. know, <laughs> really can. <laughs> like, there's a one of the endings I've heard described as like pretty much a good adaptation of most of Nietzsche's philosoph philosophy, <laughs> you know, um, there's like a bunch of the religious stuff really leads you into interesting philosophical questions about the role of religion in society because there is a demon religion. Oh, so the thing that causes this, and usually in most of the Shin Megami Tensei games, the main driver of the plot is these two cults fighting each other. In this game, they just die outright. They decided, no, fuck this. <laughs> We're going to end the world. Let God sort it out. And so you have to think about when you like literally meet Lucifer, you have to think about, well, if this is like what... What does it say about God, then, that this is something that is allowed to happen to us, to humanity, to God's creations? And like that opens up like a whole other window of just like you sitting around thinking about random bullshit in your house, which is most of what I do all day. It, it's it, the, the lore of these games is absolutely hypnotizing. And I am so glad that there's a way, like not just like easy mode, you can also create suspend saves now. So like also, a lot of old art, Japanese RPGs, it's something that I'm sure Patrick ran into, is like this, the, the time between save spots is so long. And in this is a game where any random encounter enemies can give you a one hit kill that will kill you and end your game. <laughs> so now you can like save in the middle of the dungeon if you need to go and do something else. It's like a literal like saving quit will suspend your progress right here. When you come back to it, you'll be exactly where you were. And I'm sure you can also do that like right before a boss too. And you can start your suspend save from there. And it, they'll only give you one, but it's like a good enough quality of life adjustment that I think a lot of people are going to have a much easier time with the dungeon crawling than they used to because you, you can put it down. You don't have to devote the hours you need sometimes to make it through the dungeon to get to the next save point. So I think it's worth it if you... If you've been afraid of these games because they're hard, I think that's worth it to pick this up because the the stuff they just have to say about uh, God is pretty intense. <laughs> well, it's, I think it's also fascinating that it comes out after like the splintering where Persona has taken over yeah. culturally as sort of like the face of Atlas when, so well, no, Persona, Persona came after mm -hmm. like, like for the longest time, like th this like more seriously tinged, like philosophically bent. Yeah. Uh, the form of storytelling, which almost seemed like a counter to the more whimsical, mm -hmm. like, you know, dominant Final Fantasy and Dragon Warrior. Yeah. Uh, it, you know, this coming around, I'm so curious to see what the reaction is from folks that otherwise, like, have grown up for the last, you know, 10, 
15 years on Persona because you know there's none of there's just none of that here. What I mean, there's some of it, you know, but it's it's just a totally different sort of thing. What did I think three I, come? Sorry, I just yeah. was wondering what did three come out on originally? Like I what believe system 2000, was it was on PlayStation Two or then, Persona Three or uh, Nocturne. They're both PlayStation Two. The answer to this is both PlayStation yeah, yeah. Two. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's just like because four, like thinking of the, what you were talking about, how like Persona kind of overtook it as like the the mainstay series. Shin Megami Tensei Four was a, a DS game. Yeah, right. Like it was. Like it's supposed it's, to be great. You know, I played a little bit. I, of yeah, it. I, that's the that's the only one I played. Mm-hmm. Lost as hell because it. I think it is a sequel, like a direct sequel to three. Yeah. In that, like, the world is already fucked up beyond repair. Uh, at and the beginning it goes of that. into almost immediately all of the philosophical stuff about yeah. God. You know? Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. God, the, the respawn, whatever. But so, yeah. like, yeah, to, just to, to Patrick's point of, like, Persona taking over, like, yeah, the last one was just on DS, and, like, that was it. Yeah. It was just like, I, I don't mean, think this, I, I know anyone else who played it. Like, this feels like, well, now you know me. <laughs> um, this does feel like a way to get people used to the idea of playing Shimagami Tensei 5 on the Switch and on other consoles right. as well. Right. <clears throat> um, because there's. Because right, that got announced ages ago. Of, yeah. Right? yeah. Point, it's been a couple yeah. of years. And since they it um, was, uh, released announced. a couple of new, like, screenshots and, like, logo designs alongside. I just was checking the Nintendo press site because I needed some images for my review. And they, like, in the press release for Shimakami Tensei 5, they mentioned it's, like, the same press release for Shimakami Tensei 3 Nocturne HD Remaster. So this mm. is absolutely, like. But the thing is, though. If you played Persona, the combat in this game is going to be much, like, very intuitive for you because the one more system that is very, like, um, is very much all over the Persona games from 3 onward was inspired by the Shin Megami Tensei 3 Nocturne uh, combat system, the press turn system, where every character has two icons that they give to you. You <clears throat> and your party of, of demons have two icons they give you. Uh, each icon... Each action takes one icon. Turn order is randomized, and they don't tell you what order it's going to be in. So good luck figuring that out. But um, if you do something that the uh, enemy is vulnerable to, then it only takes like half an icon rather than a full one. So you essentially get more turns to use. And this is the system of combat that Persona is just like Persona's bread and butter, incentivizing you to continue to like exploit the vulnerabilities and weaknesses of the enemies around you rather than just hitting punch until they die. Um, and so it, this is like a the, the very first version of that. Uh, you can see it's really interesting from the, uh, the perspective of the history of the series because you can see a lot of the things that they set up here in Shin Megami Tensei 3. The other two... The, this is the first one I think that was like fully in 3D and like they made a bunch of gameplay changes for it for, for changing to consoles. And you can see how they took those design cues and then just further refined them, often not changing them very much for the Persona games that would go on to be so popular. So I actually want to get to uh, something from Kato next because I've been, I've been sitting here thinking about like things coming back and seeing how they hold up. <laughs> um, I don't have a better segue than that, but I've just been kind of dying to know as well, having followed Kato on Twitter over the weekend. How is Vault of Glass? Oh, Vault of Glass um, was an experience. It's really interesting, actually. Uh, I really enjoyed it. Um, 
in general, it seems like the community is happy with this its return. And I was too. Um, and it was kind of fun to see how they changed it. Because I didn't expect many changes. They didn't really talk about it. They kind of just said, like, here it is. It's been given a fresh coat of paint to be in, like, the Destiny 2 system. But they did actually change mechanics, uh, which was uh, an interesting look at how um, their design philosophy has changed. Um, So Vault of Glass was the first raid that came out in Destiny 1. Um, It... And for a long time, people still said that was, like, a high benchmark for race, yes. right? Like, Yes, absolutely. Uh, I think to this day still, actually, like, going through it with people who have played most of the raids in Destiny 2, they were still like, wow, this is really, this is really great. Like, this is really, these are, these Even over and above really, Kingfall? Uh, no, um, but Kingfall isn't in Destiny 2, right? Like, this is... Yeah. Destiny 2 players who have played all the raids in Destiny 2 being like, this is still one of the best raids in Destiny 2 now, even though it's a Destiny 1 raid, right? Like, when King's Fall comes back, which will happen eventually, probably next year, um, that'll probably take the cake, too, because that one's still, like, you know, it's still, like, a very high uh, level of both... (laughs) uh, Length is, like, weird in, in this, is, like, you... You want a certain length because... Um, doing things blind it exponentially like makes things longer, and so a lot of more uh, recent raids they've kind of cut back on initial time uh, on in order to have less people have to stay up like forty eight hours to finish it. Like Bungie's actually been very conscious of like how the the framing of having a world's first completion race also reflects on like people's uh health like there was like lots of tweets from the company two raids ago being like everyone should go to sleep and you know be healthy and like don't take the race that seriously but people are going to take it seriously anyways so it feels like they've actually responded to that by making raids in general shorter they're still pretty long on initial blind runs um but the second that you've understood the mechanics and are at a better level you can run most of them in under an hour, like with a good team. Uh, King's Fall and Vault of Glass, like even with a, a knowledgeable uh, team, is gonna take an hour minimum if you're like really good at it. But usually two or an hour and a half at least. It's it's a um, and that still it, feels epic. Like right, not, that's epic it. is an over word, watered down word, right. overused, but and watered down word. But like. It, you know what I'm saying? Like it yes. kind of feels like a journey that's very distinct from strikes. Definitely, totally. Um, and like so, like mechanically, raids are still as complex uh, encounter to encounter, but it's like there are fewer encounters, and the encounters last don't last for uh, as long time in like more modern raids. So like yeah, going back to this style of like this is gonna be like I st- I streamed that. Uh, my stream counts. We we went to sleep in the middle, but it was 13 hours and six hours for uh, uh, us to finish our first completion. And that is knowing technically most of the mechanics because it is the an old raid. We had to adjust to some of the changes they made, which were kind of interesting to see because originally in uh, D1, one of the mechanics in the Vault of Glass raid are these things called oracles. There are these little glowy Vex, uh, like digital boxes that appeared in the air and like chimed a specific tone um and that's just that would let you know which one 
was appearing and you would have to kill them within a certain amount of time or they would kill your entire team. The mechanic used to be that as soon as they appeared, they had pretty low health. You could probably one shot them with a good shotgun blast, like if you're right on top of them. But the longer that they were up, the more health they started just like their health pool started to balloon. Um, so like if you didn't kill them quickly as soon as they appeared, uh, you would you would wipe to that mechanic. Uh, once people outleveled the raid, you stopped caring about what order they came up in because even at its like healthiest pool, like health at its biggest health pool, uh, if you outleveled it enough, you could still one shot it, right? So like you would just have everyone kind of running around and like getting the ones that they saw and like paying less attention to the order they came up in. Um, they have changed that mechanic to be what wipes you now is doing them out of order, hmm. right? Like they no longer balloon as much in health. It's more like it'll, it, and, and it gives you a preliminary, um, it gives you the tones multiple times. So before it was like, you would hear at the beginning of the encounter, you would hear all of them like ping. So it's like, okay, that one that you, you, so you could kind of see where they were all, all the possible spots they would be. There's seven different spots on the map. Now, um, you get the next set uh, twice. So, like, they'll ping, like, one, two, three in order. One, two, three. And then they'll appear all at the same time. And what you have to do is be like, okay, which one was first? Which one was second? Which one was third? And then they, the mechanic keeps adding things onto it. So, like, at the end, you're killing seven, a, a specific sequence of seven. Um, and that was interesting to see, like, originally the design idea was like you would have to kill them in order because otherwise their hp would balloon out of out of the way and like you wonder like what how that design decision came to be instead of the thing they did now it's like it feels like their technology has changed like i don't know or like just like the design philosophy has changed but it's interesting to see like what they wanted out of that encounter was not kill them and like have enough damage it wasn't like a dps check it was supposed to be can you like an awareness check? Almost. Yeah, exactly. Like, like can pause you, what you're doing in the middle of this fight, take note of these things, and then do this right. Right, because there are still ads happening. There are still waves of enemies coming out at, yeah, while this sense, is Because if you think about like King's Fall, which comes out later, is entirely yeah. about hey, you need to like continue like crowd controlling, right? But also remember what you need to do here because the procedure is complicated. So like, don't lose your cool right. and lose track of like. The puzzle, it's not even a hard puzzle, it's like a, um, it's like a Simon Says. It's it is, like, it's, it's exactly a, a Simon test. Says. It, 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 it's a Simon Says that gives you the thing twice, and, um, and there is kind of like a, there's a mechanic, uh, where if you fuck up, there is like a save, like, oh shit, we fucked it up, everyone quick, jump into this pool of light to cleanse ourselves of this debuff, mm -hmm. so that you can try again, but at that point, if you're doing that, there's an extra add of waves that you're not taking care of because you're going to go get cleansed, so things get hairier, but you can, like, pull it back. It's a it's a neat push and pull there of, like, even if we fuck up the puzzle bit, if we're good enough at, like, getting cleared and, like, resetting ourselves, you can try again, um, which is fun. It's, it's a good thing to have in there. But, yeah, like, that, that, that switch in mechanics was um, kind of surprising, and, like, it, it was kind of surprising how much... I feel like it delayed us uh, because most of us had either watched a video about Vault of Glass or 
three of us had actually done it back in Destiny 1. So we kind of, we, we knew what, what the encounter was going to be like. Um, and we were planning on doing the old, the old strat of just like run around and find the ones that like the, and not, not pay attention to the order, just kill them as quickly as you see them. Right. But then we had to relearn, like, um, there's a great clip going around where someone does a call out of the order based fully on pitch. Uh, <laughs> uh, so if you have perfect pitch, you can absolutely just call out what the order is, uh, without seeing them pop up for the rest of us mortals, <laughs> we have to like actually have someone positioned so that they can see them appear yeah. during the ping, uh, round. Um, also, uh, I feel like I mean, I'm sorry, man. Like <laughs> I'm listening on a headset and there's a lot of shooting happening. Yeah. So I didn't, which one quite, was sorry, I didn't quite get the do re mi fa, like, no, just like which one? Yeah um so yeah no that was uh that was a really fun uh wrinkle to the to the the mechanics there um and they did another change to the end the like last boss i'll put a like i should actually put some people still want to do this blind because there are people who played destiny 2 that haven't played that never played destiny 1 and are still trying to do a blind raid so i'll go back and retroactively put in a, a spoiler warning for this but um at the end uh there was a similar thing where uh there's a couple portals in the boss room and you're going to another uh version of the boss room that's either in the past or the present and you're shooting oracles in that room as well otherwise they wipe you um and before it was just like they would appear in the room in order in the past or the present or past in the past or the future, and the team that's in in the portal would just kill them as they popped up. This time, the call comes from the present, which is its own room. Like the so, there's a team of three that got teleported away to the either the past or the past or the future, and they have to they have to get a call from the the present of like what order to shoot them in, right? So that that part has became much more complicated because before it was two separate teams and the outside team. The, the present team, rather, just had to worry about making sure things were clear for when the other team came back to do boss damage. And now there was, like, an extra added layer of, like, oh, no, you have to communicate during this. Like, there's another extra thing to do because of the way they changed the way the oracles work. And it's, like, it feels like such a small change, but it's really, it was really, like, enough to, like, cause us, like, veteran players like enough trouble that <laughs> we missed the 24-hour completion just because we decided to sleep instead but um it was still it's a it's a very good change i think for that room because it, it did feel like a lot like you had a team of six in the original and it was like actually you know you have two teams of three they're doing something completely different and like it's important that the, each of those teams do their job correctly for the whole team to do boss damage but this feels much more integrated and like you couldn't do it without six, right? Like it, it, it needs the cooperation of the whole team instead of like splitting us off into two kind of mini teams, you know? So I think those changes are really cool and really good. It was just really rough. Um, and also, uh, gun guns have changed in destiny. A lot of the encounter ranges, a lot of the spacing in destiny two is a lot shorter uh hand cannons which are kind of shorter range but precision have kind of outpaced scout rifles which were my favorite back in destiny one because there's nothing long range enough for a scout rifle to like 
work out for you, you're going to get rushed. Things are going to come up and get in your face a lot sooner than they used to back in the day. And that we came into that kind of with that meta in mind, right? Like in the, the, the current meta of like things like scout rifles are bad. They're not useful in a lot of the contents unless it's like a very specific exotic scout rifle that came out last season. Um, but then we got to the boss room and we realized, oh, the spawns for all these enemies are like a mile away in destiny terms. We all just got scouts from the last encounter because one of the big drops from this raid itself is a scout rifle called Vision of Confluence that was really great in Destiny 1 for all sorts of content. But in here, everyone immediately was like, ah, shit, I got a scout. That's useless. Uh, until we got to that room and then realized, oh, the encounter distance in here is so wide and like the design of Destiny has changed so much in like the spaces that they used to build. And I think that partially that some of that has to do with like the bigger a, sp- a space is, the bigger a space is, the more like physical, or not a physical, but like digital, like gigabytes it's going to take up if you feel a game with long in- encounter ranges, right? Like there's more like, f- there's more uh, environment to build between you and the enemies the bigger you build a space. Um, and it feels like they've tried to do a uh, packing in more content by making more things smaller, um, which has changed the meta of like, you can't use scouts close range. The zoom on them is too close and they're not good to hip fire. Um, so everyone's using hand cannons and shotguns and short range, things like that. God, they um, built the most perfect shooter weapon and then they outmoded it. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Just, just, just around the design of the, the, most of the environment. To shoot gun. I fucking ever. love it. And like, they even brought back a famous one. If you've ever, do you remember from Destiny 1, the Hung Jury? One of the yep. greatest scout rifles to ever exist. It's back this season as well. Like, it's the kind of signal, like, hey, scouts are useful in this raid. Like, think about scouts again. Scouts are good. It's like, they're, they're for useful one for this only. one thing. Yes, exactly. They're useful for this one thing only. Like, all of the other designs you've you've made, like, it, it's weird. It feels like the people who, like, are making the guns and, like, designing the spaces aren't communicating exactly. It's like, hey... Maybe we should get a few more longer-range encounters in the game where scouts could be useful across different activities and not just this one raid from Destiny 1. Um, but yeah, it was it was interesting to see how, how much of that meta changed, not because the guns were different. Like, that still feels like a regular scout in all... It's like a, not a much better scout than any other scout in the game. It was just like, oh, this one... Uh, in this exact like they've made they made the encounter to be like you want a scout here because you're shooting things from really far away you want to shoot them before they get up to you if they get up to you you're swarmed and that's it like they don't do that sort of thing anymore it's like you're gonna get swarmed but it's gonna be a a swarming of small things that you can easily kill where this was this would be like no you have to take things out from far ass ranges uh or else once you're swarmed it's over Right. A very different yeah. kind of like spacing philosophy, um, which, you know, like I could do more of with like I loved scouts in D1. Like that was my main weapon. And now I I barely use them. I use hand cannons, which is kind of like a short range scout. Right. It's like the sort of you're supposed sort to be of, hitting. But never. Uh... No, you're supposed to be hitting precision hits. It's like the same kind of idea of like if you hit the body with a scout, if you hit the body with a hand cannon, you're not doing as much damage and it's going to, it's going to come back to uh, bite you in the ass. Um, But 
um yeah it 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 does feel different and it's just like the game is the game has changed in its environments and i think um i'm hopeful that they under they like see the reception of this like cause i feel like a lot of people talked about it like a lot of the the streamers and stuff even were like oh shit a scout is useful now <laughs> a scout is useful yeah. here I'm thinking about, I think the reason I've really got on with hand cannons as much is I feel like even though in some ways the technique is similar, I saw with the hand cannon, there's almost like a shotgun risk reward calculation where it's almost like a hand cannon, you're letting the target fill your sight and then you're pulling the trigger. Um, And with a scout rifle, it was just like a fun rapid fire marksmanship challenge. And the two yeah. things felt very different where like a scout rifle was just like bang, 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 bang. I love shooting this thing and seeing how many of these shots like land when I'm, what I'm hitting at yes. hand cannon. I felt like I had to be much more careful because if I missed because the ranges were so low, the punishment for was failing an enemy. that marksmanship check was bad. Yeah. It was an enemy in your face and you out of bullets. Exactly. It's, it's a much, it's a, it's a much more, it's a like, Part of their the part of the reason they've stated this design philosophy around scouts being kind of bad right now is that they won't change the kind of damage numbers on them because the idea is that a scout provides you that safety of like you are able to ping from like much outside of the engagement range of most of the normal enemies. Therefore, you're going to be able to take a lot a lot of extra shots. Uh, but when the encounter design doesn't follow up on that, it's like right, they cut sight lines <laughs> to nothing. Yeah, like or like the rooms are like tiny, and like zooming in means that you've got like a face full of hive. Like before, uh, you know, you see the whites of their eyes too late. <laughs> for example, yeah. Um, but okay, so last thought I wanted to end on though, because uh, you alluded to this, like that by and large the trend has been to cut down the uh, size of the Destiny raid. Was it nice returning to like this sort of larger format raid? Um, is this is this kind of a flavor you've been missing? Yeah, definitely. I think um, it. I think it feels. I think it may feel like a lot of to certain people. If it the 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 comments have already come up of like, yeah, sure, it's big and it's long and it feels like a journey to some people, but I just see a lot of empty space. Um, which is a weird thing, but, uh, I feel like given the the way that VOG was laid out, kind of like the space between encounters was always this thing of like, there's multiple paths. Um, there are secrets that if you take like uh, a left turn in some way, you like, you're going to totally miss, like there's extra chests and things that's not in destiny raids anymore. Like there are still hidden chests and stuff, but it's usually more like it's hidden off to the side of the the critical path and less like oh this is kind of like a weird branching cave like there's three kind of like ways i can go and get to the next encounter but one of them has x uh secret and the other one is like oh there's a secret that requires you to hit three things um and that are like down different uh four uh, uh, branching paths so like you could split the team up and like have them all end up at the same place like all of the paths end up at the next encounter but there are different things that you can kind of like pick up and see and do between them that is gone from destiny raids now the especially the last one was very like it's very short and quick like there's not a lot of space between between encounters and the like idea of like having 
a place that you can almost get lost in, like trying to make it through. Uh, like that's been gone oh, since man. Destiny. Like think of yeah, think about even. It's like, almost like so the old school Destiny raid was maybe like a section of the amusement park, and the new raid is like a single ride. Um, or it's like park. you know what? I think it's more like the old raids were like um getting lost in like like a a big like a going to a national park and like being able to like go to like different like uh um uh landmarks or whatever but you make your way there however you want and the new raids are amusement parks like here's the encounter then you like take a couple steps and here's the next encounter okay take a couple steps go to the next thing right um that is kind of like the thing and they've been able to make them the the kind of setting more bombastic like in this last one, it's very, it very much feels like, um, uh, if you remember the the campaign of Destiny Two, like parts of the end where like there are set pieces of like, oh, like we're on the Almighty. Remember that ship that was like sucking energy from the sun, and like you have to like blow it up from the inside, and then there's like an escape thing where you're like running as the ship blows up. That sort of bombast was never really a thing about raids. It was much more calm you're getting lost and exploring a space that seems weird and convoluted uh in the most recent destiny raid that was new uh, the deep stone crypt it was much more that style of like oh we're on a ship we're we're getting um we're like taking the space elevator into space um the setting was like amazing and like awe-inspiring but like there wasn't a lot of exploration in between any of those things right it's like hit after hit after hit. it was an action movie versus like contemplative like you yeah. know drawn out uh uh thing you know um trying to come yeah, up with a better is, analogy this, this, all, this touches on shit now this is oh it's it's time for the the moon has now waxed in the sky and i'm like hmm old destiny is back <laughs> yeah yeah and i'm like scout rifle and an original raid you say yeah <laughs> i might i might get into that oh it's good um, i'd love to take take y'all through the actual uh vault of glass someday it's I so because well, yeah, so i find destiny is such a i think the thing the the reason i have sort of a faintly obsessive relationship with destiny is because for it at its best, it is so close to being so many things I want. Yeah. And then so often I'm like, oh, no, you're evolving it away from the good thing and you're making it into the worst thing. <laughs> um, but the, but a lot of people love the the different thing where they're like, no, th- these are like in a lot of ways, they're tuning it for people who play a hell of a lot more Destiny than right. I will right. ever play. Totally. But kind of what gets drained from that for me is like, yeah, but I think also it's a less enticing space and like Destiny was at its best for me, like kind of a a game where it felt like, wow, there's so much here that like so much imagination has been sparked. There's so much empty space left for storytelling. And it turns out as they filled in more of that and left left less for the imagination, I'm often like, huh. Okay. That's it. (laughs) All right. Yeah. Luckily, that's a payoff. Yeah. Luckily they've gotten better at that bit too. Like, and this is definitely more recent in like the last, in the in just the last year of destiny that they've it feels like yeah it's it's like changed modes right like before the kind of the raids were these big tentpole like things that gave you the real flavor of like what destiny could be and like had so much evocative spaces in them that left a lot of open questions but then the main game 
was kind of trash and like didn't have any like the narrative wasn't very interesting um and they kind of they've kind of flipped that right they've made they've made the weekly like narrative missions like appointment tv basically like i want to tune in on tuesday on reset day to see what is going to happen with the fallen and how their uh their new settlement in the city is going and whether or not Lakshmi 2 is going to be racist again or <laughs> um, uh, the future woke cult lady does not like yeah, the no, that they're like, fallen. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, yeah, that Lakshmi um, still voice. All, all I remember was dope gear. And yeah, so, no, the dope gear from full of of uh, future war cult is uh, that's why I chose future war cult. Yep. But uh, turns out uh She's like, no, the fallen used to be our enemies. Why are we giving them any respite in the sit in the last human city? I'm like, you. I mean, you okay, know, Lakshmi sure, is my grandmother's Lakshmi. name, and I'd like to think she'd be more tolerant than that. <laughs> uh, to be fair, she's working off some uh, iffy information from a Vex future machine is- that says that there's gonna be some. Sh- it's classic, like. It's classic, like, you're seeing bits and pieces of a prophecy, but you're misinterpreting them because you're racist. Uh- <laughs> I'm just imagining all the major characters of, like, the tower gathering together in some sort of church basement and being like, well, you know, I think what we can all agree on here is that orb royally fucked all of us at some point, <laughs> and we all processed it in our own ways, and many of us did things we're not proud of. <laughs> Uh, yeah, uh, we're all right, trying so, to so find Kata, out. That was a this. that was a good Destiny update. I am excited uh, for this this phase of Destiny, uh, which means it's almost certain that the the next time we check in, uh, things will have taken a turn for the worse. <laughs> uh, but for the moment, we are we are going to enjoy uh, the this glorious return to peak Destiny. Uh, we're coming up on two hours here. I think we will skip the letters section uh, for today. Patrick is visibly checking messages and uh, <laughs> and slacking with coworkers. Getting, getting them scoops. So. That's, that's just me on the podcast. What do you want me to do? You want, yeah, yeah. Let me let me come up with some bullshit to talk about. This. I'm letting you do your thing, Rob. That's <laughs> He's like giving that's us a sign space. of respect. He is. Yeah. for you as a host for Cato as a podcast participant. You didn't need to bring it back to this place, but I guess uh, you know you've uh, was your was your power checked by Kato like coming in for the wow. break and you gotta you gotta bring us down bring the wow. energy like oh, I gotta do a power everyone dead in again. the eye and just make sure are we doing this or not are we are we doing radio or not Robert Zachney I want to let you know that I was looking at products I could buy on the internet for the entirety of that destiny conversation I was listening as I'm sure as I'm sure Patrick was listening but I was looking I was at here. different bongs I could buy hand cannons <laughs> Fill the fill the you space. Know, let me show you the face. bong I was looking at. Listen, yeah, you'll understand please. when I show it to you. This bong I was looking at, and uh, why I was looking. Yes, I am over twenty one. Are you kidding me? <laughs> it was ten years ago. Get out of my face. Uh, <laughs> there you go. The Listen, does it now? This restocks. It, it this restocks pretty soon, and I want it. We got stuff to do. <laughs> Oh, that is nice. We love Destiny. We also have things to do. It's called multitasking. I feel like the lighting is doing a lot on that, though. Is Probably. Bl- yeah, Probably. I mean, it's glass. So it's very yeah. easy to make it look a little bit cooler than it actually is. But look at it. Yeah. It's beautiful. It's Wait, heart-shaped. it's sold out? Yeah, they're restocking soon. The okay. drop is at like okay. two today. <laughs> Everything's drops now, Zach. That's how... That's how uh, that's how commerce works now. If everything gets dropped at a time and you have to wait to make sure you can hover over the buy button so you can get it. Scarcity. 
it really golden is. age of resellers. God. <laughs> All right, so here's what I've been. Lo- here's what I was looking at during the Destiny update. Okay, mm-hmm. um, we love Destiny. I have to say, we do. <laughs> but it takes a long uh, time also, to explain things. To Destiny, how do we feel about these? So, where are these? These are hmm. like hmm. these are glass bottles, but the base of it has a silicone like cap, so oh, you can yeah. you can like make like dressings. Or simple syrups, or like infused oils. Uh, you you are still this. This is just an extension of your fucking tweet from this weekend. <laughs> you trying to? I am just saying. Do we think if if like for instance, well, if one had to make the case for spending twenty dollars per bottle mm-hmm. on a thing for your simple syrup, so you can get further into tiki, do you think you can make a good case? One of the the one version of these bottles has measurements on the side, from which I can see that being incredibly useful for a multitude of reasons. I'm also the kind of person that buys like containers for storage and organizing without a clear idea of what I'm going to store or organize within them. So perhaps don't take my advice, but I like the idea of these very much, and I want them now. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> That's another thing for me to buy. <laughs> Uh, Patrick, you're unmoved. You, Rob, I, you don't need me. Do you need my justification on this? I, I believe you're in very. You. Pra- like, you're, you're my most practical friend. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if 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 what uh, you know, what I think about, I think if Rob buys this, what is when is the nearest time that I would benefit from it? Like, what do I get out? Of, like, very. We practical. don't get to go to E3 together, so it's like. There's a world where Rob buys this and is is bringing this with and is like <laughs> making me delicious concoctions with but it also is a long-term play. Like, you know, I expect I'm gonna work for Rob for some time in the future. Mm-hmm. Like this could still come into play down the line. So I think I absolutely think you should buy this Pride Pack, $144.99. I think you should mm-hmm. get on this deal, uh, ride this train and start uh making some more tiki drinks. Listen, I wanna see where the, you I wanna could see where this make goes. craft cocktails and then bring them to a party. Yeah, see, there's so many simple syrups, yeah. and and once you got you got good simple syrups, like there's a mocktail game that opens up. Like, oh, there's so many. There, oh, yeah. There's so many directions you can go here. I got back into to mocktails because it was so hot this weekend. I was like, I have this fake tequila that that's like left over from Ooh. when I was into mocktails because I was losing my mind being stuck inside. And you know what? All I want to drink right, I got a hibiscus gin, Bruce Cost ginger ale and poured oh, those yeah. two. It was so refreshing in my backyard. And the party place next door was playing exclusively songs that they played at middle school dances. And it was really great. <laughs> like middle school dances yeah, from my tell, middle school experience. You can tell it's summertime because we had our first little dust up over ice cube trays not being refilled. Yep. Uh, uh, so yes. it's, living is easy, folks. <laughs> it's a hot one. Uh, man, it's a hot one. Like seven <laughs> inches from the midday sun. Yeah. <laughs> All right, uh, and on that note, I think we will uh, we we will leave it there unless um, unless there's any last games we want to shout out. Patrick, I got stuff, but I'll save for I'll save for thir- for Thursday. I could put more time into to, to playing it before I break it down here. So, mm. all right, so looking forward to that 180 on Biomutant. Cool. <laughs> uh, as always, you can send questions to gamingadvice.com with the subject uh, question. You can keep up with the site by going to waypoint.vice.com. Uh, you can follow the site on Twitter at Waypoint or on Facebook, YouTube at Waypoint Vice. I'm on Twitter at Rob Zachney. Kato, where can people find you? 
deep uh lost forever in the corners of time at a underscore kato underscore appears patrick timothy chamelet will play the world's most famous chocolatier in wonka uh, musical timothy based what? on the early Sh- Shal- i've never pronounced it chalamet shall shall hmm? yeah okay you, you just swapped the m there it was you said chamelet i think chamelet 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 Plot deals are given a rash. The Warner Brothers film was a prequel to Charlie the Chocolate Factory. So is an origin story for the man who later created an elaborate house and factory creations. Reps for Chalamet confirm he will be singing and dancing in the movie. I <laughs> but what directed? Yeah, direct, you know, yeah. a lot of that is toxic. Like a lot of that is really bad. <laughs> Hot, you know, and, and I toxic. like him as an actor. He's fine. Wow. But then you see Patrick's canceling Timothy Chalamet. I just mean like at like where we've arrived that we need the the, the Willy Wonka origin story. But then yeah, no. Paul King, known for Paddington and its sequels, directed the movie and it's like fuck Wow I don't The God best movies it. on earth. The I best like, movies on earth. I literally don't want to think about the character of Willy Wonka as a child. That character no. has I, never been a child. <laughs> That's disturbing look, to I me. I need to know how the slave labor occurred. Yeah. Like <laughs> explain to me. Oh fuck. Uh, how that one works there you know according <laughs> to the canon it, of the books if, if it's a musical number like oompa you know what i mean like oompa settler colonialism affected us too well if only there was something i could do God, in the book, in the book, my mom read this book to me my mom who's a professor of post-colonial literature read this book to me as a child in the book uh, they do just say, you know, honestly, we're just having a good time. We don't need money. We're just having a good time. And my mom, like, had to take a break from reading that book to me as a bedtime story. My it's Roald Dahl, right? Yeah, of course yeah. it's Roald Dahl. Of course it's Roald Dahl. Yeah. <laughs> that guy yeah. had some opinions. The king of children's lit that is built to last, but maybe it shouldn't. Yeah. And yet. Never look up what he thought about Jewish people. If you want to oh, continue no. to enjoy his books. Oh, <laughs> My no. name is Kita Jackson. You can find me at XOXO Gossip Kita. <laughs> All right. Uh, our theme music is by Bowen. The track is Miss You off the EP Pale Machine. Le- learn more at waypoint.zone slash B-O-E-N. That'll do it for uh, today's episode. We'll be back later this week with another episode of Waypoint Radio. Until then, fuck capitalism. Go home. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. 
No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program. And don't nice. you dare get distracted on this fucking podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that was a good pod. I was having fun. Yeah, it was good. We it was like, good. I like podcasting. Good stuff. Good stuff. Also, the screen cr- the sc- screen cap is very good. <laughs> I really was just enjoying <laughs> what was happening in that moment. I'm still not sure. I, 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 wait, I still feel like I don't fully understand though. What's to- Timothy Sh- Shamalai is toxic, or just the idea of Willy Wonka? <laughs> no, Willy Wonka. Willy- yeah, yeah. yeah the, the the zenith that we have ended at, where Hollywood feels the need to cat like justify its Willy Wonka origin story by you know, well, we just you know put a good actor in there. Yeah, yeah. It's it's exactly like yeah. I don't. They keep I keep getting aggressively advertised like Cruella being yes. advertised to me, oh but like you God. cannot convince me there is like a world in which her desire to murder dogs is justified. <laughs> yeah. this, this whole like that that's my in the same way that I am attracted to uh, like a horror series that has like nine entries, no. which is like yep. please explain to me how we got here. Like yeah. I need to know Why what your bullshit is. I actually do need to watch Cruella to find <laughs> out what. <laughs> Like a scriptwriter had to do it. You can't avoid that question. Like I, I need, and I need, I crave, <laughs> I crave bullshit explanation. Oh damn! I just like had a, no like idea. Cruella was a girl what, boss who had what? haters. Oh, she is a girl boss. She was being gate cupped by the fashion industry for the fast industry, and she is. This movie is going to gaslight all of us. <laughs> awesome. I've seen nothing. I have not seen any of the trailers, and I just assume are they taking it in a. Devil they Wears like, Prada situation. Conspicuously like. don't mention that her primary motivation is to make clothing out of dogs. They, okay. they really specifically talk about the <laughs> fashion industry and how it's like unfair to her because of, I think, class reasons. I can only assume it'll, like, it'll happen at the end where there's just like, she like a, a Dalmatian appears at the end and it's like, oh, let's just not explain that crucial plot point of yeah. how, like, how we get to the movie. <laughs> a frisky Dalmatian ruins her fashion show that just, was going I to vindicate her. Like the they give her like a very Freudian like excuse and they show a flashback of like one Dalmatian at the wheel and another one pushing the little pedals, driving a car, the car that killed her parents. <laughs> like, beep beep, yeah, we're two dogs driving a car. Kato, it's not like it's like it's Devil Wears Prada, I think, because it's like fashion industry adjacent, but really the vibe is much more like It's what the Joker. If somebody were remaking uh Batman Returns, huh. but it's entirely about Michelle Pfeiffer's character, okay, but cool. also lacking any sort of like class critique. Uh, um, uh, no, it's just it's the it's Lady Joker. It's the, right, the yeah. trailer is right. very much the Joker. Um, and like all I can really think about when I'm watching this is just like how like, yeah, this is it like it makes me depressed about the, the future of cinema as an art form. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's not good. Ah, one no. of those. Yeah. Unlike Venom, which makes me very excited. Hmm? Yeah, that future is bright. The duality of man. <laughs> there are two wolves raging inside you. If you want Venom, the- let there be carnage. Unfortunately, <laughs> the monkey paw must curl and Cruella yep. Yep. must yep. exist. Exactly. Yeah. Like, oh, shit. No. Sorry, sorry. You said, Una, I've heard her meowing yeah. this yes, whole time. Yes. Oh, Una. What did, what Ella is also she sat on my mouse. Door. Everything's fine. Everything's fine. I thought I thought I thought for a second she might have accidentally clicked my uh recording. 
like delete. Luna's just a gamer. Jesus. She's trying to game oh. right now. <laughs> classic, classic kind of woman. Just, We're good. Everything is good. Just assume, assume, assumes the worst, communicates that to everyone, and that then goes, cat, no, everything's though. fine. The cat. I love that cat. I love that cat. She's, Ella is she's trying great. to get in her. here. She's not allowed to be in the podcast, in the room while I'm podcasting anymore because she'll always get up when we're like in the middle of me talking about something for 20 minutes straight and be like, yeah. I got to leave now. Let me out of this room. <laughs> <laughs> you close the door because you have to, you can't let your boyfriend be heard on the podcast, uh, but I got to go. Bye. <laughs> All right. Uh, 15. Perfect. Oh, God. I hate that shit. Okay. Kato, Kato was quiet. It was like, ooh, this is probably just cutting that man out. You know what? Kato will figure it out. Kato, he's very why, powerful. Why isn't there an ability to turn off the weird shit that gets rid of claps? I hate it. I hate it. There is. Where's the button? Where's the button? Okay. Uh, so you go into user settings, voice and video, scroll <laughs> down. Um... <laughs> Make sure noise suppression is not clicked. It's not. Yeah. No, I I think it's on. Yeah. It was. I never. I didn't. I didn't get anyone else's claps. It's fine. Weird. I can figure it out. Otherwise, yeah. but yeah, I don't have claps on this backup here. All right. Um. What episode is this? Four hundred. <laughs> Close. Three ninety nine. Yeah. Wow. The the Biomutant Podcast Spectacular can take us into four hundred. Thank God. I forgot Excellent. that game was happening. Jesus. Yeah, well, if you... Mm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good. Uh, it, will ha- it will have a fervent... Uh, a fervent... Defa- yes. Yeah. You know what? Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't know. I don't know if that game plays... Res- respect to my furry friends. They... Uh, th- there-, there was uh, a group no, of... Actually, furries are quite... Um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Not picky. But you know what I mean. Yeah, uh, yeah discerning. Yeah. Discerning. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, I don't. I don't know <laughs> that they would. Have, I, I think they might be above biomutant and <laughs> expect a little. Like these also, days, they've like, got they've got Ratchet and Clank coming. You know, they're they're gonna be right. fat. Well, It'll be fine. Also, like you know, uh, furries went from like you know the thing that people made fun of to like they've risen much higher on the totem pole um, um, in the years <laughs> totally. since. There was uh, a group having like a birthday party or or something like some sort of g- gathering. They seem like close friends. At a park that we went to uh, during COVID, and uh, one of uh, Jessica's friends, her mom, extremely not online. I, I like, but as we walked to the park, I had to explain, like, like, no, that is not like a cause for. That's not a red flag. I get it. Like seeing a bunch of thirty somethings in uh, these costumes, I understand why you would be wondering. Should we go to this park? I was like, no, we're cool. They're just like. I'm not going to sit here and explain all the dynamics at play, but just know that it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. You're okay. It's fine. They look very. They look very nice. Hello. I don't know though. But at the same time, like you're 30 years old, what are you doing hanging out in a children's park? Yeah. Well, I mean, it was it was more of an open space that just happens to be a park there. Okay. You know, like there's some areas that are. Yeah, they were not invading. But it's like you are too big for these slides. They were not. Know, especially look, with the yes. suit. sir. If excuse were, me. If they were not, yeah, they were not going down the slides. Like okay. that, yeah, no, there there was a designated area that was like for picnics and uh, like free containment zone. <laughs> All right, this is this is where the furry. This is the free range area uh, for the furries of Illinois. 
Wow. <laughs> That's got to be a Facebook group, right? Probably. I'm sure there is. I ha- there has they, to they be. Have to and be they're all celebrating this. upon one of our fans hearing this podcast. Well, there's got to be. I mean, yeah. like, I figure Bong Recreation Area is just overrun uh, with furries <laughs> fully, like, half the year. <sighs> Illinois seems like a strong place for furries to exist. I don't know. <laughs> there's something about, like, really oppressive, like, uh, reactions to depressing uh, lack of excitement in your life that Illinois is just rife with emo music also very popular yeah, in crushing, Illinois crushing you know? winters like it's just yes. it's made you need to find other things to make your life you're wearing the first <laughs> to keep warm at this point yeah. <laughs> it's both practical and an emotional blanket to get through the, 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 the issues of Illinois as a state you really you reach the end of February and you're like this happens every year but this year I know it's true I will not see the sun again I just won't <laughs> just it's actually stuff. it's actually we've actually had a pretty decent uh, weather wise yeah uh, you reach in some some warmer stuff, yeah. Well, it was a, like a very mild winter, but like with a, one with plenty of snow. So you got like yeah. all the benefits of winter oh, without yeah. the the miserable nature. I mean, we had like a three week span where you couldn't leave the house. So I guess that's me just internalizing. <laughs> like, no, there were three weeks where Let's actually see. like there were fr- you know freeze bite warnings. Where you just yeah. really weren't supposed to go outside. That's normal. Like that's that fine. That's a normal. Pretty, that's a good winter. <laughs> That was like my first winter in Chicago and I texted my boss and I was like, well, it says here if I wait at the bus stop for longer than five minutes, I will get free frostbite. Should I come to work today? And he was like, yeah, whatever, ignore I it. I wonder, <laughs> yeah, I think there, we did have, there was a winter where they canceled school like seven years ago. There We had yeah. we had a, um, what do they call it? A, uh, uh, fro- like a frost snap or something like that? Yeah, something anyway. like a cold snap? Cold snap. There yes, you go. cold snap, where you're not supposed to be out for more than five minutes where you can legitimately get frostbite. Yeah. So of course, well. when that happened, I locked myself out of my apartment with no of shoes on. Um, yeah, that's great. My uh, <laughs> my ex from Chicago, remember? Yeah, about seven years ago or so, there was a huge snowstorm, and he had to abandon his car on Lakeshore Drive. <laughs> yeah, that happens. Yep. yep. <laughs> uh, All right. Anyway, we're good. <laughs> yep. Here we go. <laughs> 